1: Welcome to At Sports Radio. Shireman the handoff to Alexander. On the way to the rim. He just bullied his way to the bucket. 2.9 before halftime. Bowen trying to lob it inside. Taken away by Dotzler. Half court. He off the back iron. And we're tied at 43 at halftime. Sanford broke down Shireman. That 3-1 go. Got a good look. Ahead, Hulk Brenner. running the floor. Eight-point Blue Jay lead. Timeout, Iowa.
2: Samuel Tabe seeing his first action. Gets into the paint. Has it knocked away
1: and stolen. cell with a steal. Latrell on the drive himself. Cut off. Out to Nelson. Around to Sears. Catch and shoot. Three. Rush side. RJ open for three. Fires right between the eyes from downtown. Oh, the ball movement. Another assist and another timeout by the Panthers head coach. 25-24 by a point. 4.25 to play. It's stripped at half court. Wade drive it in. Wade with a steal and a score. Three-pointer short from Justin Edwards. Air ball. They will yell air ball as
2: McCuller feeds
1: a run. Timeout called by John Calipari, and Kansas is back within four.
3: Uh, I think naturally you you have to, you know, we, you can't play scared. can't play stupid, but you can't play scared. I think we have to be, you know, cognizant of, of who's out there and ask, what we're asking them to do from a physical standpoint. Like, you know, you can utilize quarterback run game and they can take care of themselves and slide and not take, a, you know, big hits like Heinrich does sometimes just trying to run through people. So I think you just, you know, it's it's went from, hey, get as many yards as you can to possibly, you know, if you can get down and take care of yourself.
4: Good morning. Welcome in to Herd At Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. That's Andrew Rogers. Hey, man. We are live from the Herd At Sports Bar and Grill and... Live from the H&H Chevrolet studio. I call it a studio. Some people call it a stage. It's
5: not much of a studio.
4: <laughs> I mean, it's actually an enormous studio if you think I about mean, it. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, every other radio studio I've been in has basically been the size of Shane's box over there. That's why I would consider that more of a studio yeah, than where we are. See, we're in a, a huge... We're in a space. We're in a venue. What the
1: fuck is Shane walking Chevrolet in
5: there?
4: Space. Space? Space time continuum.
5: Well, we're all in the live from
4: the space-time continuum. But
5: not everybody is in the H&H space-time That's continuum. true.
4: Uh, you know, it, it seemed like Draymond Green and Rudy Gobert were maybe going into a well, different... Well, Draymond's
5: <laughs> in his own
3: world. <laughs> Draymond's he's in his own in universe. His I think he's in a
5: different galaxy. <laughs> Draymond has always acted out. You know, and, and, and I don't think he's human anymore. I think this is the first
4: headlock we've seen, though. I think that's the... Uh, well, what's worse,
5: <laughs> punching your own teammate in practice, like not just like soft in the shoulder, no. but like, like going for the jaw. Yeah. Or putting an opponent in a headlock. Uh, somebody like – he acted as if he was a hockey player in that He moment. didn't. Which, I mean, is kind of his role. Like, he is the goon. Like, he's, he's to an extent, though. Like, yeah. it, still with the sport of basketball, there's a little – It's a different deal. The, the yeah. antics are a little lesser. Um, even in a moment where, where Clay gets tied up with yeah. – uh, what's his – McDaniels. Daniels, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, McDaniels. And when they get tied up with one another, that's one thing. You can push and shove. Like, it, Was there ever a headlock in the malice at the palace? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. They're, right? Yeah. So, like, that was more, though, because why? Well, like, fans and players were really getting into it. Yes. In a moment yeah. that it's just everything's on the court, and the first thing you think about doing is putting a guy in a headlock. <laughs> I know Rudy's big. And so, like, you're trying to figure out how to diffuse the situation. Yeah. yeah. But all you're doing by holding on to the headlock, which I think is the worst part about it. Yeah, he like, didn't if let you go. you pull him aside and then you release your arm and you get him away and, you know, whatever, that's one thing. But dude's just holding on to him for dear life um, as if he's trying to behead him. You know, so the funny thing was,
4: uh, obviously Clay and Jaden McDaniels got into it uh, up the floor, but I think right before that, under the hoop, Draymond and Rudy had gotten into it, and these guys don't like each other anyway like there's just not a lot of love lost there. just those um, two guys <laughs> well they're the, he, those two are the only ones that those just two like specifically each other? don't like each other. I mean a lot of people don't like draymond, which is totally fine <laughs> and first of all, uh when the teammate is Jordan Poole, he deserved to get punched, like so we're just uh, like that's I'm not even kidding <laughs> okay guys i'm not a I'm not a Jordan Poole guy at all, oh really, Dude, you should see? Have you seen the photos of the way they're just, like, staring at him after they won the title and he's, like, dancing with the trophy and stuff and the rest of the team is kind of just looking at him like, who is this guy?
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, he's their Jackson
4: Mahomes. <laughs> he's, he really, he really kind of was. It's like, we're embarrassed by this guy, but we're related to him, so I guess here we are. Um but no, I didn't actually mean to talk about Draymond this morning. I just, I... Well, it's on the TV. Yeah, it's, it's right in front of us, and they're showing a pretty aggressive replays of the, of the headlock there. But uh, we've got a great show for you here today. We've got, of course, our Wednesday regular Brian Christofferson coming up at 8 o'clock. We are also going to talk to Kevin Suits at 830 and then wrap up the show with our very own Avery Howard for the whole nine o'clock hour, uh, and I don't think she's listening yet. So I think we can, you think we can say? Yeah,
5: it? yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't think she starts listening until like the back end of the seven hour. Yeah, so we we purposely didn't play
4: Shane's World on Monday. <laughs> I mean, you're like, what the stink? Because she's gonna say because we wanted to play Shane's World with Avery and make her mm-hmm. uh, suffer to the same extent that Andrew has. With the jelly beans, because I really haven't yet. I've only gotten one bad one. We've been playing this game for like a month. Yeah. Well, your bad one wasn't bad. It wasn't that
5: bad. I was like, "Mm, I don't love it, and I spit it out. And it was dead. (laughs) Well, actually, no, your bad one was gross. I love it. It didn't affect you as much as I thought it would. But Avery told us a story, this was a couple weeks ago, that she grew up with her cousins Mm -hmm. playing that game. At holidays, and she's like, still to this day, a little traumatized. Uh, by yeah, it. A little traumatized. <laughs> like maybe the gag reflex. Like just seeing the game, she was kind of yeah, like she was a like, little uh, on edge. Well, yeah, she was like and looking I'm at all like, the different <laughs> flavors. <laughs> yeah, that's probably that's She
4: about was looking what it at all was. the different flavors, and she was kind of having like a visceral reaction yeah. to it. Uh, so that'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be fun to play the uh it'll be fun for us yeah yeah she's probably not going to enjoy herself no (laughs) definitely might not come back but uh
5: we'll enjoy ourselves she was about to do remote today too because she uh uh, has some other things going on work-wise but she's like no i can fit you guys in and i was like oh well thank you appreciate it
4: um (laughs) but we'll so we'll talk to avery for the nine o'clock hour Uh, you know what? i'll take it we'll get into some husker football stuff with her before we uh, switch gears and try and get her to eat a barf jelly bean. Um, that's that's the show today. Uh, there is a bunch of stuff to get into. Um, obviously, Creighton and Iowa played last night, and I never really thought I'd be like the old man who's like, we need to play games earlier. That 9:15 start was a little rough. It was a little <laughs>
5: well, it, it's rough for people like us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you, when you, for everybody else, it's, it's fine. Yeah,
4: in every other job I've ever had, it would have been
5: fine. Uh, for this job, I was like,
4: oh, gosh, why can't we tip this thing off at, like, 6? Mm-hmm.
5: Sometimes, <laughs> though, it, um, I don't go to bed until 10, 11 o'clock. Yeah. So this wasn't out of routine for me fully. Uh, but it was still late, and I did get a nap in the uh, yesterday afternoon. I kind of had to. Yeah. I was feeling very oh. very, very sore and shaken up, and I'm like, ah, I'm just going to fall asleep on the couch. So uh, we, we were talking about things to fall asleep to before the show started, and Avatar was on in the background. Oh, okay. I'm like, that's kind of a great movie to fall asleep to because it's long. Yeah. So you watch a little bit of it, and you're like, gosh, I still have two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> and so you just go, huh.
4: So Conk. yeah, I used to always sleep with the TV on and then my wife can't really sleep that way. So when when we met and whatever, we uh, I stopped doing that, but I wear headphones to bed now. So yeah, I like weird. I play music on my headphones and it kind of gives me the the background noise I mm-hmm. need to fall asleep. I would try to sing and then I, <laughs> my brain would be firing on all cylinders and it just wouldn't be good. So the key is I have a specific playlist. So it's it's like a kind of soothing music and then B songs that I've heard a bunch, so it's it's like when I used to watch TV before I would go to bed, it would be stuff that I'd seen a million times, so I wouldn't be... Like a sitcom. Yeah, or, or like something I, was, I liked so that it was kind of soothing to me, but something I'd seen so much that I wouldn't be so interested that I couldn't fall asleep. Because mm-hmm. you can't watch like a new movie as you're trying right. to fall asleep, right? Uh,
5: Ravi was a big Bachelor fan, Shane. No, That's I used to, used to
4: watch. You know what I used to watch actually is uh, I used to watch Moneyball all the time before I would fall asleep. Another long movie. Yeah, and like it's, see, like Aaron Sorkin stuff is perfect because it's like all talking. There's no like loud noises out of the middle of nowhere to kind of wake you up or grab mm-hmm. your attention. It's just people talking the whole time. So Aaron Sorkin movies are elite for falling asleep too. And I like it, but I'm not even saying that as an insult. Like I like the movie just in general, but if you are looking for something to fall asleep, Sorkin movies are are chef's kiss there. Tell you what, we couldn't fall asleep to that Creighton game, though. No, that thing was on pure rocket fuel. That thing was, (laughs) you you took like a track meet, shoved a firecracker up its butt, and you got the Creighton-Iowa game. It was, and for as fast-paced as the first half was, the second half was even more so. Mm -hmm. And especially there was that stretch, I think about the first 10 minutes of the second half, where Creighton looked unbeatable where they stretched out that 17-point lead, and obviously they slowed down after that.
5: Well, and partially they slowed down because they were trying to get Trey that last assist. Yes. So you could tell. He was like, hunting for it not, a little Not bit. only was, was Coogler, like, really playing into uh, playing into that stat mm-hmm. because it was a first time. It was a historic moment. I was ready to t- tweet out his Trey. <laughs> I was ready, and uh, it just never happened. Um, Got to save that one for the drafts. Right. <laughs> but you could uh, you could. You could tell that this team was like so badly wanting to get it for him. They were searching for it, and so it slowed down a little bit. And the offense was slowing down. And then it was like, okay, what can Trey develop to try to get an open look? Yeah, and it turned into a lot of what I think we saw last year with Nemhard. A little too ball dominant. Yeah, where he was trying to create. Uh, a play on his own and then find the open man in case somebody uh, dropped off to help mm-hmm. and so that's why I think Creighton slowed down a little bit because they got away from their game they were trying too hard for something yeah and it didn't cost them in the end no. because they were fine where they were at but against a team like Iowa that can score in bunches like you that. have to be cautious yeah. to, to
4: take that approach I also think there was and I think it kind of goes into what you're saying. I think it was a little bit of they lost focus on what had gotten them there. Like they Trey had gotten nine assists to that point because of how good they were moving the ball in general. It's not because he was ball dominant mm-hmm. and creating everything. And I understand kind of the the you know it would have been the, the, the first points, assist. rebounds, assist, triple mm-hmm. double in Creighton history, it had been the first triple-double, not by Benoit Benjamin in Creighton history, um, which is a wild stat.
5: Well, you know that's a long time ago, when your name is Benoit. Well, I mean, it's not even, it
4: was out of time even when he played, because he played (laughs) like the 80s, I think, and it was out of time even when he was at Creighton, you're like, Benoit, really? (laughs) Um, You know, you would have thought he was some 90-year-old man when he was playing at Creighton, but... You could kind of tell that they lost focus a little bit because you get up by 17, your every everything was working. I mean, everything was working for Creighton, and so you feel like you can let up a little bit. But you're right with a team like Iowa that has a ton of firepower, and it just not quite as much as Creighton did. Uh, you know, you do have to be a little bit careful there. They got it down to five at one point, mm-hmm. and then Creighton kind of, um, kind of got it back in gear. But the funny thing about that was. So Creighton didn't have a field goal for the last six and a half minutes and still scored 92 points.
5: Yeah, that's pretty, uh, that's that's pretty nuts. That's bonkers. <laughs> like, that's insane. And they shot the ball incredibly yes, well, like did. you said, in the second half. But, you know, kudos to Iowa. Uh, they can run and play with any team. Yeah, they, that's, any team. If they shoot like that, Yes. if they play as fast as they did, they can play with any team. 17-35 in the first half from the field. Creighton was 15-35 in the second half. Iowa was 17 of 33. Creighton was 17 of 27. Now, you may be wondering, like, what the heck? Like, how in the world did they, did they lose that game if field goal percentages basically match? Well, then you look at the three-pointers, the three-pointers, excuse me, and Creighton had the edge in that department. But the big edge was from the stripe. It was free throws, yeah. From the charity stripe. Because if you go back and you look at the stats there, Iowa was 10 of 14, good percentage, about 70%. Mm-hmm. Creighton was 18 to 24 right at 75 percent. But if you subtract those 10 free throws extra, there was only eight points there. Yeah. The final score was what? Oh, 92 to 84, which is separated by how many points? Eight. Iowa can play with any team, especially if Ben Crick shoots the way he did.
4: For sure. yeah, And you know that's kind of a product of the way Creighton wanted to play that defensively. Um, you know, I know Coogler mentioned it. on It was a Coogler ball. I don't remember which one of them actually said it, but mentioned the way that they run their pick and roll coverage where Kalkbrenner drops rather than hard hedging or switching or anything like that. And it, it, it the defense is, allow, is designed to allow 15 to 18-foot jumpers. And if you're going to make those, then you're going to be able to stay in the game. Now we saw during that stretch uh, in the second half, you have to make them at an almost – Unsustainable clip in order to stay in a game the way Cre- when Creighton's playing offense that way because in the second half Crick did slow down a little bit and instead of I think in the first half he was like seven of eight or something mm-hmm. I mean he was some stupid percentage in the first half and he missed a few more in the second half and that kind of led to the difference and allowing Creighton to spread to spread that lead out to seventeen midway through the second half there so um, no but Iowa I was really impressed by them I thought. There were times, especially early in the first half, defensively, where they were way better than I realized. Well, they had
5: seven steals. Yeah, in the game, but in the first half, especially, they were taking the ball away from Creighton like it was, you know, taking candy from a baby. And that's yeah, you know, Creighton. I think
4: had nine first half turnovers. They only ended up with twelve, so they cleaned that up quite a bit in the second half. So that was an area for uh, for them as well. But yeah, I was I was impressed by Iowa. Honestly, I hadn't seen them play a ton this year. Um, obviously, this is only their third game, but I'd only seen bits and pieces of their first two. And I was really impressed. They had way more firepower offensively than I was expecting. And this is honestly most of the time in, in years past when Creighton's had teams like this. And they could, you know, they were really uh, potent offensively. Anytime somebody tried to run with them, they got blown out of the building. And Iowa almost did, but they were able to kind of hang in there. I was I was actually super
5: impressed with Iowa. And, you know, speaking of impressive performances. At first, with Kalkbrenner, the thing I thought of in the first half was he's a much better finisher than we're seeing. He's a much better defender than we're seeing. And his ability to rewire at halftime Mm -hmm. and come out and put up the performance he did in the second half, I I thought was a pretty um, pretty, uh, wow-like performance. Um, it's somebody that you can just say, even on his worst days, he can still turn into his best day. Yeah, and And, and there's a lot of players that just can't do that. Um, Now, granted, Kalk is one of those guys that is looking at uh, the potential of being in the NBA next year. So he's got – he 's got kind of that extra edge already, and, and he proved that in the off season when he was going through the camps with Trey and things like that but i was I was really impressed with how he bounced back when things weren 't going incredibly right for him yeah it 's not like he put himself in position where he was in crazy foul trouble sure. right because there are times where if something isn 't going well you'll try to overcommit on something else and then you'll try to recover and then boom, you send somebody to the line and now you're putting yourself and your team in, in harm's way because you're on the bench and you have to rely on, you know, Fred King to come in and, and be who you need to be in the game. But Kalk never let never let the, the negative times of that game impact how we played the rest of the game. That's Crazy maturity, but that also shows the maturity of this whole bunch and the culture of this team and, and the team that Coach Mack leads. Because across the board, even when people aren't having their best night, that's what you get out of them. You always get somebody that turns the negative into the positive.
4: Yeah, and and you know you you mentioned Fred King, that was probably his best game. At Creighton so far. Well, and he
5: stepped up when he needed to. He
4: did, you know, because Kalkbrenner wasn't in crazy foul trouble, but he'd have the two in the first half, and so King got a little bit longer run probably earlier than he would have. And this is the first time I can remember, certainly against a Power Five opponent, that when Fred King was on the floor, it wasn't just, "Hey, let's stay even, let's stay neutral, let's not lose any ground," well, until Kalkbrenner comes back. It was all, it was actually, "Hey, Fred King is gonna is gonna provide." Positive minutes here. He's going to provide a plus effort here for uh, for Creighton. Uh, honestly, same thing with Farabello. This was Farabello, one of Farabello's better Couldn't agree more. Better games as a Creighton Blue Jay. This is kind of the high end of what I thought he was going to bring last year. Um, the shooting, the steady hand, the ability to, ability to play either guard spot. Um, I was really impressed with Farabello last night and. Um, you know, and we saw the rotation from Creighton tighten up a little bit, right? So outside of Dotsler, who got that real brief stint at the end of the first half when Trey picked up his second, this was an eight-man rotation. It was pretty tight. Now, I think they may, depending situationally, play some other guys in other spots, like a Jonathan Lawson, um, or Dotsler may get some extra minutes, but more than I, three seconds. Right, yeah, more than the three and seconds. He almost
5: buried that. Dude, I was uh, a full court heave. Mm-hmm. A, a, a player, a, a reserve
4: player after my own heart, he plays three seconds and he gets a three up. Like, I, God bless you. Right, and I say full clear.
5: court heave. I know it's like three quarters it was like, of the court. Man, but man, he almost buried that back, he let it, back rim. He let it go, and I was like, oh. Well, and you know what's funny, too, is. Uh, it's his first shot of the game. Like, yes, he just warmed up, <laughs> but he he was just on the bench for nine, over 19 minutes. Yeah, because which is you have like, TV timeouts and like
4: 45 minutes real time yeah. since he'd done anything physical. And he wasn't expecting to go in the game there because Trey picked up that second
5: foul. Let alone get the ball.
4: Yeah, and then he gets a steal and is like, well, I guess this is going up now.
5: <laughs> and if the wherewithal in. to actually get the shot up with that, I mean – yeah, I was. I would have gone in. I probably would have popped off my couch. Oh, like I may have fist bumped. I may have like, um, you know, gave like a little like, yeah.
4: I definitely had the Leonardo DiCaprio moment where I sat up and was like,
5: <laughs> Is, "Is it going in? Does the point? Yeah, uh, yeah." And then you had your wife um, probably on the other side of the couch doing the other Leonardo DiCaprio, laughing. Like, no, oh no, she was <laughs> in bed by
4: this point. She oh. was. She, she, she called it a night by halftime. So, um, but no, Creighton uh, comes away with a good win. Uh, they'll. They'll continue to try and, and win in the non-con here. I don't even remember who they have up next.
5: Well, it's just uh, last point. Texas I'll, Southern. Yeah, last point I'll that. say here, that's going to be a tough game for them. Um, I think they'll be okay. Oh, will they? <laughs> it, it's going to be hard to run with Creighton if, if you're any team. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, watching the game film, uh, if, if Connor Stallions was there, he would have uh, told Jim Harbaugh <laughs> that already, that this team uh, is not afraid to throw up an off-balance jumper from downtown at any point because they have the confidence in their shooting ability that majority of those will fall. There were some shots that Shireman took early on in transition where I'm like, seems a little rushed, and then he buried it, and I go, that's why I'm not playing, <laughs> or that's why I'm not coaching, right? Um, there's, there's just a point to, uh, to understand with this team that, uh, yes, they're really, really good. But if you are an opponent, fatigue will catch up with you yeah. in a game like this. And that's why Creighton was able to extend it to 17 points in the second half, and that's why they were ultimately able to come out with the W, even trying to give Trey his triple-double chance.
4: Yeah, absolutely. A uh, couple things that we want to get to as we come up through the show. Uh, obviously, college football playoff came out last night. Same top four, but we did have a little bit of movement there. Um, wanted to get to some more coaching turnover. Oh really? I you know I love a more co-
5: movement. You know I <laughs> Not lo- even just in college.
4: No, you know I love a coaching silly season and we are I feel like we're about to dive head first right into it. Uh, and Again, then there's a lot of good names out there. There's a lot of good names out there and then, you know, there's I know you had some thoughts on the Harbaugh suspension we didn't get to yesterday. I still think it's so uh, stupid. <laughs> so we can get to that as well. Also going to break down some Things that we were looking at from the Nebraska game on you're Saturday. innocent until proven guilty we'll start to shift our focus. you know we talked to Jim Polsey from the Wisconsin State Journal yesterday about Wisconsin, but as you know that kind of Wednesday Thursday range, we start tr- turning our focus from what happened last week to what's going to happen uh, this week against Wisconsin, so we'll kind of start to uh, make that shift in focus, but there was there was a, a particular play we wanted to break down a little bit and, and get into more depth with. So we will do all of that. You can get a, become a part of the show on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline 888-638-4876. You can email us. I'm Ravi at com. It's Andrew at com or Of course, you can always follow us on Twitter, YouTube, where you're following the show. Get in those YouTube comments like our guy TK and our friend RS, who's chiming in from the Philippines again this morning. It's funny. uh, TK goes, Iowa basketball is inverse, Iowa football. All offense. (laughs) Yeah, just 100%. Maybe they should hire McCaffrey as (laughs) the offensive coordinator
5: for (laughs) Iowa football. That that won't work because it's not related to Kirk.
4: Shoot. Uh, I actually have a question about McCaffrey. When we come back. All right. More Hurt at Sports Radio coming up next.
1: You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Creighton's got 92 points. And Creighton will end with 92 points. A 92-84 win for the Creighton Blue Jays. What a battle tonight in Omaha. Trey Alexander was the best player on the floor.
4: Welcome back to Heard Sports Radio. I'm Robbie Lula. That's Andrew Rogers. We're live on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, you can't come in, but you can also find us at the Hurtat Sports Bar and Grill and <laughs> the h Chevrolet Stage. Yeah, doors don't open quite yet. but nope. not till 11. If you want to, you know, creepily look through the windows and be like, hey, those are the guys. I, I suppose you could. Uh, we might call the security or something on you because it's weird. But or if we like you, we'll let you in. Yeah, if you're somebody we know and like, then we'll think about it. But. You know, I don't have to uh, know you. If, if you seem like you have a good heart, I'll let you in. <laughs> my, my screening process is going to be a little bit more diligent than than Andrew's apparently.
5: Hey, that guy looks nice.
4: <laughs> no, Andrew, don't take candy from him. Um, <laughs>
5: <laughs> you're no. like you're, you're like the kid that's like there's a van that just has free puppies on it and you're like woo. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, oddly enough, my mom was worried that I would walk up with a stranger growing up because all I would do is talk to people. I know it's shocking. I, I don't but, believe that for a second. Um, yeah, that was a real thing. Uh, so i w- I
4: wanted to ask you about Fran McCaffrey because and I just and we'll move on to football after this. But I had I I was watching him last night and he's he's a pretty famously hot-headed guy (laughs) right Mm -hmm. he's you know you've got uh mount mccaffrey or that'll that may uh, that that may uh explode at any moment um and he is he's a guy that looks so normal like bo pelini has an angry face like he's got resting rage face You look at Bo, and you're like, yeah, I could see him wanting to, like, rip someone's head off on a football field. Bob Knight, kind of the same way. He's got That's the a bunch cr- of BS. RIP. He's got the cranky curmudgeon face um, that that you're like, yeah, I could see him being uh, kind of an old cranky dude. I'm with you. Fran looks like he wants to sell me insurance. Yeah, that or be your accountant. <laughs> yes, yeah, like a very mild-mannered business professional. And so my my thought is, and I don't know how much – I know you, you know, uh, worked in Iowa for a little while covering uh, up in Sioux City, but, so I don't know how much of any interaction you had with him, but I wonder uh, with guys like that, when they're off the basketball court, how, like, if that's how they are in real life too. Because like, I know for sure Bo was, for the most part, a really nice guy, but he still had moments in his real life where he would just pop off on people, and it was, like a, it was part of his personality, right? But Fran just seems so mild-mannered that I'm, I'm having a really hard time envisioning him out of context, like losing it on somebody.
5: So unfortunately, I have um, too much of an understanding of what Fran can be because I Uh-oh. was covering him in Iowa yeah. a lot uh, when I worked there. So I came across this meter that somebody created <laughs> called the FranCon meter. <laughs> And uh, I pulled it up so that you could see it. They call it the FranCon Alert System. How to recognize the stages of madness. (laughs) And it goes from FranCon 9 to FranCon 1. And so FranCon 9 is extremely rare, but it's calm. FranCon 8, slightly irritated, signs of facial coloration. Okay. FranCon 7, upset. Imagine we're only on 7 right now and And it's upset. Yeah, we're at upset, yeah. That's his default setting. Okay. (laughs) FranCon 6, very agitated. Note, defensive stance. (laughs) FranCon 5, the pout. Hands in Hulk smash motion. (laughs) FranCon 4, mad again. Ineffective pouting gets mad again. FranCon 3. We definitely saw FranCon 4 last night, but go ahead, continue. FranCon 3, a bunch of symbols which indicate an expletive. Yeah, we saw 3 last night too. Fran is on the move. FranCon 2. The calm before the storm. <laughs> meltdown is imminent. And Francon won. Full meltdown. Nothing escapes mad Fran's wrath.
4: What point, uh, at what point during, uh, in the Francon
5: scale are his assistant coaches holding him back? Is that Fran's on the move? So, um, actually, no. That's on uh, full meltdown, is what it looks like. Here, okay. At least in the photos, because they show us like his facial expression. Oh, they, there's and, a visual guide. Yeah, that's oh, very helpful. Yep. See the Hulk smash. Yeah. And the defensive stance. And <laughs> like this is his slightly irritated face. And yeah. look, There's there's his calls. That's that's the picture of him with with Coach McDermott. That's right. the exact face he's
4: making with Coach McDermott. He's right. making Francon nine. Uh huh. That is the rare yeah, call.
5: Francon nine is when he gets to the podium before the season starts and talks about he's just how is- excited he yeah, is for just the season.
4: ready for basketball, so so that's but that's what I'm wondering is like is that how he
5: is in real life too, like just in normal everyday life um I don't know if he has any children, but if you dated one of his children, well he does because the they play on the team- right, I meant like <laughs> younger <laughs> yeah, children younger. <laughs> <laughs> I was like like, one of them, like in high school one of them like, was playing that's, basketball that, last that's time. what I meant like, <laughs> I don't know if he has any kids in high school I know he has the McCaffrey brothers and Patrick and Connor uh but if he has any like in high school and you're going over you're like taking his daughter to homecoming is he upset at the door like when you hit the when you ring the doorbell mm-hmm. is that like first whistle like Fran gets into default upset mode <laughs> he goes like in, Fran's good like he's on the couch He goes he's from calm. nine to seven right his daughter comes down the stairs he's like wow you you look beautiful things things like that and then all of a sudden the doorbell rings and it's just it's upset and then he's walking to the door and it's it's francon five right he's he's in defensive stance and things yeah i I could just imagine that like going he could take his his coach manner mannerisms home i could see that i could see it i don't think he's always calm i don't think he's always Francon nine yeah i don't either i just i i wonder about people like that when
4: or how they like if they'd ever turn it off you know, because I was never like that as a coach. I was I was almost too calm for some people's taste. Mm-hmm. Like, I would yell mostly just for a volume issue, right? Like, because gyms are loud, especially in-game. But even practice, like, gyms are loud. You have to yell to kind of make sure people hear you. I wasn't, like, an angry yeller very often, although when I was, it was very effective because it kind of shocked people a little bit. But so I don't really – I don't have a frame of reference for, the like, the real angry coach and what they look like. Outside of that mm-hmm. It's always fascinated me
5: Yeah I've never been the, the angry coach I haven't had much much time in the sport To be an angry coach just yet mm-hmm. But um, Well don't turn in Don't be that guy <laughs> uh, I, I won't be a Fran <laughs> By be, any means Don't be a Fran or uh, a Bo Don't be a Bo either <laughs> I, I'm more of a pull aside guy Like my voice is loud enough to carry So sure. I, yeah. I don't really have to, to Yell and scream all too much uh, I'm, I kind of take after my mom When I say like ah. Oh, guys, I'm I'm just really disappointed with the effort. And, like, when you hear I'm disappointed, like, that mm. hits home more than uh, me yelling and screaming in your face. Um, I don't know if that's because I, I take more, you know, um, I, I reflect more on that, and it, it just hits me deeper. But uh, I think it always uh, – I think that was always, like, good reinforcement for me to be like, I'm going to uh, change the way I do this. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I don't think I'll ever be a Fran. But it, it's funny to see the Fran guy meter, and whoever created that is a is – a, Oh, you love to see it. Is a genius. Um, so I, I it did promise we're going to get to some football, and we will.
4: Um, obviously, we've got plenty of the show left here. But um, one of the things that I did want to get to, and i I just wondering if this – moved the needle for you at all was georgia moving from two to one in the Mm. uh college football playoff ranking um in the next segment because i want to give it a little more space i want to talk about kind of the chip kelly ken dorsey thing a little bit but um does does georgia moving from two to one move the needle for you at all
5: Mm -mm. i don't think so I, i i think it's still too early um Georgia has what the win against Mizzou, and then um, who did they Ole beat? Ole Miss. They just beat Ole they Miss. They just beat which Ole Miss. Yeah, it was That's a good win. It was a really good win. Uh, I think um, they've got Kentucky, which is an okay win. But I don't think moving from two to one is really a needle move for me. Yeah, uh, because they were they were already there. Uh, if if somebody dropped out. And say Washington, like moved if Florida in. State and Washington, right, or, that, or or even that situation, like say Florida State doesn't even lose a game, yeah, they could still end up being the five. Especially if
4: Washington beats Oregon mm-hmm. again in the in and the stays Pac-12 title game, right? like. Washington has the resume building on the way out that they could definitely jump Florida State.
5: Yeah, that that win in the Pac-12 championship would move the needle for me mm-hmm. in, in watching Florida State drop in, in that regard. But outside of that, if it's the one, two, three teams, if it's Ohio State, uh, Georgia, and Michigan, uh, until I see one of those teams drop out, I don't think I'll have any major needle moves, if that makes sense. Yeah, I thought it was interesting a little bit. Obviously,
4: Ohio State and Michigan are going to play, so that um, – negate some of the importance of that but I thought it was interesting with the fact that Ohio State really didn't stumble at all that's what I kind of felt interested even it's not even I mean they beat Michigan State 38 to 3 they beat up on Rutgers the week before that the Wisconsin game was probably a little closer than you wanted but I mean Ohio State has relatively good wins they beat uh, a pretty good Notre Dame team at the time they beat Mm -hmm. Penn State we will have an opportunity to beat Michigan, obviously, in uh, another week and a half. But my, my big thing that I was I found curious was, yeah, Georgia had a good win
5: but it's not like Ohio State stumbled, and they seemed pretty comfortable with Ohio State in that one well, spot. Well, I think it was just inevitable, though, with the committee, knowing yeah. that eventually Georgia was going to get there if they stayed undefeated, and they were just waiting for these games to do it. To actually have the resume to, to yeah, be number one. so, That's uh, yeah. you know, being back-to-back national champions already, it doesn't surprise me that the committee's like, okay, Georgia, you can be number one again. All
4: right, coming up next, let's get into some of that coaching carousel here on Out Sports
5: Radio.
1: You're listening to hurt
2: at sports radio the, the young men I think from day, from the moment after the last game a Michigan State game they came in there and they had the right attitude you know and all again it always starts with attitude and they wanted to they want to fix it. And it was one of those games where I told them before kickoff, I was like, I can feel, I can get a vibe of the guys. And I I felt like like it was kind of like Illinois, where I'm like, you guys are going to make it right today. And they did. They played their butts off. You know what I mean, so you got to you, you got to respect that. You know, those guys put themselves in a position to, to know what to do and to know how to do it, but then their mind was right. You know, their attitude was right, which is the most important thing. And it was fun watching them play like those kind of games. You just sit back and you just watch them play and you're in awe. You know, some of those plays were, I mean, uh, uh, Javin coming off of a block and then Jumping on the guy and as he's falling down to rip the ball out that I mean, that's 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 unreal. You know Omar Brown is getting blocked. He, he he Comes he arms over on the block and then as he's tackling the guy He sees the ball and then he rips out the ball like those was some big-time plays man. You know what I mean, so so I kind of felt it at the coaching staff kind of felt it um, Pre-kickoff and and again, they went out there and we just had to make one or two more plays
4: Wrapping up hour number one here on Herd Out Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. We're live on AM 590 ESPN, Omaha, ESPN, Tri-Cities, Twitter, YouTube. Live at the Herd Out Sports Bar and Grill on the H&H Chevrolet stage. Uh, TK with a good point uh, in the in the YouTube chat where he says ranking Missouri in at nine, which they are... Uh, they were headed. They were ahead at nine, or they were ranked at nine. They were the top two-loss team in the country. They were ahead of one-loss Louisville. Uh, they jumped five spots this mm-hmm. week. After, I mean, listen, I I get that it was a ranked-on-ranked ranked win, and they they did it pretty resoundingly. I don't know anybody who thinks Tennessee is that good, and so I, I don't know it. TK says he thinks it's some elite schedule padding by the committee. It, to, it could be. To make Georgia, to inflate Georgia's schedule and a little bit. And it probably bit, is, actually. Which, to justify the ranking, which I, I kind of get. But, I mean, really outside of that Georgia, or, or outside of the Missouri and Old Miss games the last two weeks, which are, are good wins, um, that, that Missouri game was pretty close. So making them, Missouri, look better, kind of justifies the Georgia position a little bit now Georgia very well might be the best team in the country they're certainly playing closer to it now than they were earlier in the year Um, I really thought I really thought earlier in the year they looked vulnerable and now you look at it and it's like man they they kind of look like a juggernaut again Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the rest of that plays out and and you know we're still a couple weeks away from that really mattering with the rankings here but It is good to keep an eye on because, like you said, that Florida State-Washington 4-5 could very easily uh, flip. Now where it's going to get really interesting is once that Ohio State-Michigan game plays out, you're going to have one of those teams with one loss. Uh, After Washington and Oregon, you very well could have both of those teams who are really, really good at one loss. You've got a really good Texas, really good Alabama at one loss. This thing could get really messy for the committee in a hurry, and you know they are just praying for certain results to make their life easier
5: yeah you know a lot of times said th- I thought about too with the Heisman voting oh absolutely right? because the Heisman voting has gotten kind of all out of sorts because of the way Jaden Daniels is playing and he's not a guy that's in any position to have LSU no. in-, in title contention but the stats that he's putting up are Heisman worthy yeah they're like, crazy. you have to think about that it's the same thing with Penix it's the same thing with Knicks it's the same thing with um with Travis mm-hmm. and-, and-, and so forth down the list it's so hectic there it's so hectic in the college football playoff right now. The good news for everybody is there's still two more weeks of football. still a couple more games to help sort this thing out. But I do – I mean, we're pretty late in the
4: process for it to be like, man, I really don't know how this is going to go. Because a lot of times by this point it's like, yeah, this is probably how it's going to play out. Even if Georgia loses to Alabama in the title game, doesn't really matter Matter whatever. Um, I don't feel that way this year. I, I feel like there's definitely some – there's a team that could uh, be uh different. Yeah. I, mean, I, in this. I look at I I look all the way down to Alabama at number eight, and I was like, if any of those teams make the college football playoff, not surprised. Because Alabama is going to play Georgia in the SEC title game. Obviously, Ohio State and Michigan are going to play. Washington, and Oregon are going to play again. Texas still has that win over Alabama. I just look at it and I go, man, this is this could you might end up with like six or seven really good one-loss teams (laughs) and it could I mean it's gonna be a mess well and and the worst team that might be left at Florida State might be
5: the one that's undefeated like that would be the crazy part of it all right and if they end up undefeated then you're put into a weird spot of well okay Oregon would have won the Pac-12 title game then and they are what sixth right now yeah they're sixth Uh, right now but a a win over Washington mm -hmm. probably bumps them it'd be the it'd be one of the better wins of the year and so now now you go back and think though well they played once already like does yeah. that play into this at all? And with Florida State undefeated, it's it's a tough position to be in if you're the committee because it's hard to say, mm-hmm. "Hey, you're undefeated and you're not in." Yeah, it's especially hard to tell a team that.
4: Especially if you're the only one left that's undefeated. There's a scenario, and it's not a likely one because you probably either Ohio State or Michigan will be undefeated as well. Whoever mm-hmm. wins that game, because I don't think they're losing to whoever comes out of the crap hole West, but. So you're probably going to end up with two, but you can make an argument that Florida State could be the second undefeated team and deserve to be left out. And I like Florida State. People know this about me. I enjoy Florida State football. I'm a Jordan Travis fan, too. I really like Jordan Travis. I like Jared Verse. I really like Mike Norvell. I think he's a really good football coach. Texas A&M, I swear to God, if you steal another one of our coaches, I will lose it. But it's our, I mean.
5: <laughs> Are you now a Florida State I fan? I like Florida
4: State. I've always liked Florida State. But, um, you know, the... There's I think there's a very realistic world in which Florida State is undefeated and either Ohio State or Michigan's undefeated and Florida State would deserve to be left out. And that's
5: why I am very excited for the twelve team playoff mm-hmm. next year, because then you don't have to worry about these conversations. Well and this week too, I think it's the week of most like random opponents um, yeah. for teams. Like Alabama plays Chattanooga. Yeah, this, you, is the, this is the this is uh, this is the uh, the the wind bump week yeah, for those. This teams. is the late season bye game that a lot of these mm-hmm. teams
4: play that don't have yeah, to play. Mississippi
5: has Louisiana Monroe. Florida State had North Alabama.
4: Um, you've got yeah, you've got some. I mean, Ohio State has Minnesota. Oh wait, that's a conference game. My bad. Oh, um, oh, oh. <laughs> anytime you play the Big Ten West from
5: the East, it kind of feels like a LSU bye game. LSU has Georgia State.
4: Yeah, so you've got a bunch of those uh, random one off games. Uh, so this is like an SEC thing. It is like a SEC and, and ACC to a certain extent as well, um, but it's it's a very heavy SEC thing because they don't play the uh, the nine conference games or they aren't required to play the nine conference games. They uh, they only have to I believe play the eight. If I'm or it might be yes. eight and nine or yes, nine. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Uh, so that's their extra one in there. Um, but I wanted to get to you know it's it's get into that time of year obviously where the college football playoff rankings start to make a little bit more uh well they usually start to make a little bit more sense I think they're getting messier as we go along this year uh but there's some messy situations going on at places like UCLA as well where there's a report not that Chip Kelly has been fired but that he's going to be fired mm-hmm. which is also a very it's a very strange the way it was worded they're it's like an odd report. after the USC UCLA game it's most likely that Chip Kelly's going to be fired. I'm like, what is – I don't really un- – so that's this week, obviously. And I'm just like, what is happening here? Like, just either you're going to fire yeah, him yeah, – like How do you tell
5: your coach that, hey, no matter what happens, even if you win, you're going to get killed. Well, like, if he wins, are they not going to fire him? That's my question
4: because they're like, it's most likely – that he's going to get fired. It's like, okay, so he's probably getting fired either way. He wins, yeah. he gets a stay of execution for one week, and then you wait till the end of the season to fire? I don't know. It was super weird. I am basically just treating it as you, as Chip Kelly has been fired. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the same way I treated it when the first reports of Jimbo Fisher were like, yeah, he's going to get let go. It's not happened yet, but it's happening. Um, so UCLA is an interesting job. And, and I... I look at this because they're moving into the Big Ten. I wonder how much that played into the decision. I don't look at Chip Kelly as necessary, necessarily a uh, Big Ten coach stylistically. You know, Dan Lanning is. Dan Lanning at Oregon coming into the Big Ten makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Kalen DeBoer I think can be. They're not as physical as Oregon is yet, but he's also only in year two. So I, I think that Kalen DeBoer, because he's from this part of the country, he kind of understands – uh, you know, Big Ten football and Midwest and football and all that kind of stuff. I think he'll be fine. The guys that I really wondered about were Lincoln Riley because he could. I mean, they can't play defense at all, and I think nope. that has a a big reason. Obviously, the can't four, play offense right now. Well, either. yeah, the four losses has a big reason why Alex Grinch was fired, but I think going to the Big Ten does too. And then Chip Kelly, who was pretty good last year, took a little while to get going at UCLA. Now they're six and four. And he's going to be let go as well. I, I just wonder how much. I, I you look at that and say, yeah, maybe that's a move they don't make if they're not moving conferences.
5: Yeah. Um, what's interesting to me is. Uh, you kind of alluded to it. The direction a team will go if they are making a coaching change. Do they go defensive-heavy defensive approach? Do they try to go especially uh, after an offensive-heavy guy like Kelly? Right. Or, or do you try to do run it back again and, and try to stay with like you know the what modern day football is turning into, which mm-hmm. is more of an offensive approach than than total defense. Because uh, I mean we we see it here in Nebraska. We we hear it in Iowa. It's not exciting to watch Big Ten West football. No. when your offense isn't moving the football right. like yes you can you can clamor at it's your, and, and say your defense is, is the best thing since sliced bread and it may be close to that yeah. but it doesn't make it exciting football at the end of the day so um, transitioning over what approach do you take I think the best approach for a team to take is defensive to start. Go with a defensive coach, and that's what scares me with UCLA. Mm. Because when you think defense, who went, who you're going to look UCLA? across the country and think, hmm, who's putting together a pretty solid defensive uh, defensive group? Oh, there's a guy over in Nebraska named Tony White who graduated Let's from, say, where from he, UCLA. Where did he go to school? Yeah, yeah, he played uh, at a Bruin. Shoot. And if you want to make a smooth transition to the Big Ten, Makes a lot of sense to have a guy like Tony White who's been there, done that. Yeah. Knows the ropes a little bit already. And plays for another program or coaches for another program that has money to just throw at you.
4: Absolutely.
5: Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk to our friend Brian
4: Christofferson from Husker 24 7 here on Herd At Sports Radio.
1: You're listening to Herd At Sports Radio. Here is Husker twenty four seven senior writer Brian Christofferson.
0: Yeah, it'll, it'll be a little bit of a circus act.
1: Brian Christofferson.
0: Oh, well, I mean that's that's pretty interesting.
1: Brian Christofferson. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy
0: that.
3: Here is Brian Christofferson. It's like I mean, it's like when I when I was in South Carolina last year. If I thought of the Big Ten, it's what it is. I mean, big, strong, physical. Uh, the defenses are unbelievably sound, and they make you work for everything. The details of you know, getting the ball out and just playing third down defense, red zone defense is just—it's very impressive. I think the coaching is you know at a very high level in this league, and the players are. I mean, there's no—it's there's no question this is one of the toughest leagues in the country. And week in week out, having to play these defenses is grueling, mentally and physically. As we kick off our
4: number 2 here on Herd at Sports Radio, I'm Robbie Lula, Andrew Rogers. We're on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and we are joined now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline by Brian Christofferson from Husker 24/7. BC, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? What's up, BC? Oh, we are, you know, just living the dream over here, having a good time. Just getting breaking news that Deshaun Watson's not playing football anymore this year. I'm sure that's very surprising to everyone uh, (laughs) since he didn't play a whole lot of football uh, before this this year. But, um, BC, want to hop into the Nebraska – some of the comments we've heard from Nebraska coaches this week. And, you know, uh, going back to Rule, I believe it was on Monday, and kind of the way he insisted that everything – be put on him in terms of the uh criticism and responsibility like on the one hand I appreciate that from a head coach he's not throwing anybody under the bus he's taking accountability but on the other hand like we all know as grown adults like certain things are not directly his fault right like are they under his purview as head coach sure but like quarterback development specifically really falls more under Satterfield than Rule. I guess, how do you kind of take those comments as someone who understands what's going on on a little bit more granular level that it's like, yeah, okay, we can blame Rule for hiring Satterfield or whatever, but at the end of the day, we know he's not the one in charge of what we're seeing.
0: Well, first off, um, it's just smart head coaching to not take that public you know like and yeah so what so what he said um makes a lot of sense and also i don't know in private that there's a there's a big uh clash between what's going on either or anything like that because i this staff is so intertwined and i knew when he hired the guys he did when you looked at their resumes and their track records and how far they went back together um that when rule speaks of that day-to-day process. Um, the guys he hired is a staff that he's w- willing and wanting to take it on for a while with, it's not going to be just like, uh, in, I don't think in very few cases, would it ever be like a one-year adventure somewhere? Or, um, maybe even a two-year adventure. I don't know. I, I just think he has enough of a belief in how they operate and how, um, they're trying to complement each other, even though they're not that, um, I really think he he, uh, has great respect for all of his coaches and and sort of how they're going about things. And I know on the outside, when we're looking in, right now you're looking at the offensive numbers, and let's see, you know, they're 126 in passing offense, 114th in total offense, 118th in scoring offense. So it's frustrating. And then you see that QB play, and um, obviously there's going to be heavy critiques of – you know, the coach who is leading that room. And so that just goes with the business. They understand that too. And that should, that that's part of it as well. So um, I, I just think uh, on Monday, he set the tone that these are my guys. We're going to keep rolling with these guys. And um, for that idea that that was maybe going to be a discussion two or three weeks from now about, okay, what's rule doing with his OC and stuff like that. It's just not on the table. So, I thought in a way he kind of slid in there that that's not a conversation right now. I realize outside the walls, you're going to critique and do whatever you want to say about how it's going. And that's fair. But but this is this is a process that we believe in. So I, I, I felt like that's what was trying to be established there. Uh, B.C., I, I agree with you that the
4: Satterfield thing or moving on from Satterfield was never going to be a conversation. Do you think it's going to be a conversation though, about hiring a separate quarterback coach in the off season?
0: Well, you never know. Um, I would never say never on that. Um, not with inside insight about some direction they're leaning, um, within their staff, they'll have to decide, you know, Josh Martin was kind of on an interim basis. Um, Mm -hmm. At the tight end spot, and I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just saying if if we're gonna have this conversation, you know you don't, you know you don't know what they're gonna do there. Um, after he he filled in this year, he might just stay in that post, but maybe not. And you can move some things. I don't know if that's a possibility. Um, if it is, you know, last year, um, about this time in December, we thought for a bit, for a week or so, that Satterfield was actually gonna coach the tight ends. And there would actually be a, a different QB coach. So when you ask that question, it triggers my mind back to 10 or 11 months ago, and at least n- knows that that's that's Jake, a possibility. Jake that that Peets, could baby,
4: Jake Peets, <laughs> bring him home. <laughs>
0: BC,
5: uh, you talk about one year adventures and I'm going to go to the other side, maybe in a more positive direction, but, uh, could be looked at as, you know, a a negative question to ask. Um, I don't know how much you've been following the coaching carousel or at least riding the wave like we are over here, but, Mm -hmm. uh, with jobs, uh, opening up now more and more and, uh, with, with certain locations being, we'll, we'll just call them enticing maybe for the defensive coordinator at, at Nebraska. Um, is it a worry to you at all that the UCLA job popped up? Because I think to me that's the one – or it could pop up. I don't want to say it's popped up just yet because we, we haven't officially seen Chip Kelly out in, out at UCLA. But with UCLA transitioning to the Big Ten and Tony White being a former player at UCLA, does that uh, worry you at all as like, mm. like if there was any job to pop up, I didn't want it to be this one?
0: It doesn't worry me because it's one of those deals where if UCLA, if that head coaching job were open and they offered Tony White, you just have to say congratulations. You know, it's like, because that's like a different level. I mean, if he he got a power five uh, uh, head coaching job put in front of him, yes, it would be a blow to what Nebraska has been trying to establish, but there's really nothing you can do about that. It's more the ones I think about, like, is there any other job out there that's on a similar level as far as title, you know, DC, uh, associate head coach type of positions somewhere else that you have to compete against. And if there's that sort of thing that's out there, or they sniff that that's out there and I'm sure they, if they'd have those conversations face to face, I would do whatever it took to match and go beyond and keep Tony white in that seat. Um, but your question, your question is a good one, uh, Andrew, because it brings attention to just another thing that's out there, and how you got to hang on to the the bar on this ride now, because we're now entering those weeks and months. Um, but that one in itself, I would I would just tip my hat into Tony if that happened and be like, congrats, man, you know, like if 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 he got it, it would be it would be tough. But I do want them um, if there's any. Job that is viewed as lateral or the same as far as defensive coordinator wise, I really hope Nebraska can win that standoff. Understanding the importance of of what he's doing,
4: uh, BC wanted to move to the quarterback room here. Obviously, we know Harburg has the ankle injury. Um, I maybe I'm out of line here. I don't. I don't think he's playing this week based on that injury and his skill set. Uh, we know Jeff Sims is the only one that's actually healthy. Uh, but it sounds like Chubba Purdy can go as they split reps this week. Um if you had to put money on it, who who's your starting quarterback uh at, at taking that first snap in Madison?
0: If I put my Toyota Rav on it, um, <laughs> I would say it's got hundred and one thousand miles now, so I don't know how, how much it's it's valued hey, at. You're but I was getting like three, Sims. four, three, four grand on that baby, right? Yeah, so it's something. Um, so you think I, I Jeff Sims though? Jeff, yeah, I kind of do. Um, not for sure. Uh, you know, I like uh, the how game Purdy was to the moment on Saturday. Um, I can't say that, um, there, there's been a lot of people in my timeline who are kind of fired up and like, you got to go the Chubba route now, you got to see what Chubba can offer, and um. I'm not, I would love to see, like, hey, if Chubba Purdy got a chance and he just balled out, I'd be the happiest person in the world to write a story like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not in the crowd that thinks, like, it's obvious that you just go that route. You know, like, I, I've seen data from every quarterback that's in that room now that leaves me uncomfortable about how it could go. Um, and they're going to have to break trends uh, for Nebraska to probably win up there. But I would say Sims, maybe because he's more healthy. I've always thought, like, Sims had the the higher ceiling there, but it doesn't matter if you're turning the ball over every five or six plays. So he's got to somehow get past that. I honest to goodness thought, guys, we were maybe going to get a little bit of a redemption arc for Jeff Sims after a few plays last Saturday. He, like, kind of yeah. came out of that first series. It was like, okay, he's, he was firing it. You could see how quick the ball comes out of his hands, and a good. They 27. And then after that fourth and two got blown up, it just it just went the other way. And those two plays, the last two turnovers they had were just so disheartening because it was, both of them were just errors un, unforced. So I'm nervous about their situation there. I just don't know what the obvious answer is. I'd probably start Sims and I'd have per, uh, Purdy like ready to roll, you know, a quarter in if it's not going hot. BC, uh, we've heard a lot. You make that
5: one play, and that's the one to win the game but should this team and staff be thinking about playing to win or focusing on playing it safe I know that sounds ridiculous but with a with a team uh, with all the offensive issues it's a revolving door of offensive issues taking the points versus taking a shot has to be front of mind right now right?
0: Yes, uh, I I understood what they're saying. And there is truth to that within, I think, the context of a game. But I think in that specific moment, I fall in the crowd that and I I try to always not say or write things that I didn't think in the moment. And when Nebraska was facing third and goal at the seven, I was standing next to Mike Babcock in the lobby because we just come down the elevator and I was muttering to him. I was like, they just got to get three points here. You know, you got to get three, at least get the three, put your defense out there. So that was my thought in the moment. That doesn't mean I'm some bright guy, but I, I was just nervous about, um, you know, we, whenever that ball goes in the air, you don't necessarily expect good things to happen right now, and especially in a condensed space when you have 22 athletic dudes in a 20-yard uh, space on the football field whenever you get inside their red zone like that. It's just you got to be really precise or bad things happen at any level, including the NFL. And so that's why um, to your question, Andrew, I think the biggest thing is uh, getting those bowl win or bowl practices right now. And if taking three points there can help you uh, do that and build that winning culture. um, That's the biggest thing that's out there to, to, to claim that. So for that specific play, I didn't agree with what they did Um, for the like, general thought of within a game, you've got to, you can't just like curl up in a ball in the corner of the room. I get that too. And so they do have to operate, but um, I think there are moments where you got to, you got to pick and choose there. BC,
4: do you think, I, so I, I get what you're saying for sure, but I also kind of have this, <laughs> I kind of have this pushback reaction where we think that, okay, if they had chosen to run the ball, then they have no chance of scoring a touchdown there. And that seems to be mm-hmm. what people, are insinuating by being like, well, you're either playing for three or you're passing the ball. It's like, well, Nebraska's actually better at running the football. Like is it isn't there a decent yeah. argument to be made that they had a better chance scoring a touchdown by running it three times as opposed to throwing ever?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it might that might be the case too. I mean yeah, I, I get what you're saying too. I'm just saying on the like third and goal in the seven, in most cases, with most teams, you'd be like, yeah, that, you're throwing it. Like you're watching an NFL game on Sunday or some of the teams that are, uh, um, you know, rolling at a high level in college offenses. You'd be like, yeah, that's a throw situation and you'll see what happens. And if not, they'll kick the field goal. Sure. Um, but you're right. Nebraska probably, you know, they're stronger up front. Um, you know, I do think when you got the context afterwards or clarification that the first down play was supposed to be a handoff right and not not a pass um maybe that that helped in some people's minds because they at least knew okay the first two were supposed to be runs uh, but yeah I, I i think there was a, a general sense that within this fan base which is savvier than people give it credit for um right now as it's the old tom osborne uh philosophy uh, when you throw the ball there's three things that can happen and two of them are bad. And it feels like right now it's like two, it's like two and a half of the three things that can, you almost want to raise it. If you can, if that's possible to play at the numbers, like two of a two and a half out of three things are bad. There's nothing good. Almost. It seems like can happen.
5: BC uh, sat felt the best days, or at least I, I shouldn't even say felt he feels the best days are up ahead for this, for this quarterback room. Question is, is that next year or is that this season? Because this team is running out of time if he is insinuating that, hey, the best days are up ahead for this quarterback room with only two games left.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think when he answered that, um, there, it was a thought for the offense as a whole. And I do think there's thinking beyond this year involved in that answer. It's, it's like stuff is growing this year with a lot of young players, and we believe as you get into the next season – Um, that's going to start to to look pretty good. Um, That's frustrating, though, if you're fans. I get it. I mean, it's ultra frustrating until they get the sixth win. This is what everything comes back to, and that's why everybody's so anxious around here right now, and that's why uh, your timeline and my timeline probably after um, Saturday's game was a hot mess because it's just like people are – they saw like uh, there it is on the doorstep. They're going to get to that bowl game. That's the step, and then you go from there. And when there's obvious stuff that where Nebraska just gets it in its own way and you think they could have done something differently and it doesn't happen, um, it, emotions are going to run pretty high. Uh, but to Satterfield's point, he's got, they have to keep building confidence within those young guys in all public comments. And when they're talking to him, like this is going, this is tracking right. And um, there's a, There is good young talent there at the wide receiver spots. Those guys could be really good in a year. Like Emmett Johnson's an impressive uh, young player when he's being called on. And I like some of the young linemen. So what they're saying is not um, it's not completely out there in left field. Uh, but they got to get the quarterback. They got—I mean, if you don't have that, um, you can't change that conversation. Or some one of those quarterbacks. And people are very skeptical. Of this is going to have to develop in a very large way over the course of the next ten months. Can it happen in two games? I don't necessarily see it. I don't either. BC, you mentioned that quarterback room
4: moving forward and you know cuz I agree with both of you I don't know that the next two games are going to show much different out of that room uh how many of the guys that are currently there do you think are there next year and how many guys do you think they're going to bring in from the portal to compete for that job
0: so it's the it's the million dollar question I'm it's always a tough one to answer cuz I especially in the college level, I guess, I I try to have that line, like, what, what do you talk about? What do you not talk about? I don't like to kick guys off the campus sometimes, you know, like specifically, but I would be surprised if everybody stands pat, Um, you know, it's just just the way it is. We saw last year, how unlikely that is. Um, I would think someone like Harburg will be in the competition still next year, you Mm -hmm. know, a Nebraska native and, Uh, That's probably the obvious one. And then I think there's got to be some entry on the outside, at least one who is a serious entry where like when it, when you see the headline, everybody's like, Oh, okay. And they start to get excited around Christmas time or whatever, you know, whatever, like that's going to, that could be something. So I do feel like there's got to be one, one guy, at least like that. If you can get two um, I wouldn't be against it um, by any means. Now that's difficult. It's hard to get, at that position to convince uh, multiple people to come from the outside in at the same time. Um, you know, but th- there, there does have to be someone else, I think to enter this mix and uh, shake things up. Um, Cause I don't know we've seen data. We have data in front of us on all the people. We're not talking out of turn here. We've, we've watched the turnovers pile up and, it's Right now, it's standing in the way of Nebraska probably having seven wins or so. It, it is. I mean, this could be that kind of season right now, and that position has, uh, has, has not met the bar that you have to have to, to win at this level. Well, a big reason for the potential to even get to seven wins is Coach
5: Rule. And if we go one step uh, back from Coach Rule – it, you get to Trev Alberts, and yesterday we heard Trev get his extension, B.C., and not only just for that hire, but Trev's done some some pretty good things in his short stint at Nebraska so far, volleyball day being included, keeping Hoiberg on staff, and, and, and expressing change and that happening too. Just how deserving is it, one, for him to get uh, that extension, and two, how – Important is it to lock down somebody that has a good grasp on the athletic department and, and just like a smart person in that role? Because, you know, some athletic par- departments out there aren't run very smoothly or properly. But Trev seems like somebody that has been able to do that at Nebraska.
0: I think the biggest thing with that right now is I sense Trev Alberts has a strong ability to connect with his peers and the, the higher-level people in the league. And that means everything right now. This is an unstable time in college athletics, and you you need a leader who understands that, who understands the stakes of what's going on um, and establishing your brand right now as one of those 50 to 50. If, if this is going to break off, like some people think it's going to at whatever point, and it's going to be like those, you know, basically your premier league type teams and your teams that aren't, you know, your 50 teams that are and the others that aren't Nebraska has got to make sure they're on the right side of that. And you, so I think it is important to have that, that person who understands what's at play. He's spoken publicly about that. He, he knows um, the moment that Nebraska's in, he knows they've got to win football games here uh, more and more, but he also knows like the volleyball day in Nebraska was a cool event around here, obviously, where people are going to remember that for a long time. But he knows what that meant as far as branding, too. Like, it says to everybody else, like, look at what they're doing at Nebraska. They're, they they take chances. They're innovative. They do stuff outside the box, and they think big like that. And he knows that stuff matters. So I think the fact that he's ambitious like that and he connects with his peers in this time is very critical. And the biggest thing will be if that football team program and the coach he hired can win some more games and also the stadium project. I mean, that's, that is a project of all projects that most, you know, ADs would never attempt and a lot, a lot's going to come back to how that comes together and if it works and if it, you know, 10 to 15 years from now, we're like, man, that's a special place over there.
4: BC, we've got about a minute left here Uh, for all the positive things that we mentioned about what Trev has done and the projects he's working on and stuff like that. I mean, if we're being totally honest, we're going to judge this extension three years from now on how many wins the football team has, right? Like
0: that's it. It's I think it's a top one, yes. Um, because if the if football if football's like eight plus consistently a few years from now, eight wins, and you're like you know, and they're thinking about ten wins some seasons and better than that then, yeah, everything will be fine with the branding because that's the biggest part of branding in college athletics. I mean, it's the thing that everybody across the country pays attention to. Like, a person in Boise, Idaho, um, is aware of, like, uh, who's ranked where, and a person over in this part of the country knows what's going on and who's up and who's down in college football. So, yeah, that's the biggest one. The stadium project is, I think, close, and the connection with peers is important. But, yes, football has to rise up, and everything else, I think, can fall into place with it.
4: Brian Christopherson from Husker 24-7 BC. We'll talk to you again next week. Yep, thanks, guys. Thanks, BC. That's our guy, Brian Christopherson from Husker 24-7. Coming up next, we're going to talk to our friend Kevin Suits from 1011 News in Lincoln. See what we can find out about what's going on in the capital city here on Herd Sports Radio.
1: Listening to Hurt At Sports Radio.
4: We are halfway through the show here on Hurt At Sports Radio, live from the Hurt At Sports Bar and Grill on H and H Chevrolet Stage. We're on AM five ninety ESPN Omaha and ESPN Tri Cities, and we're brought to you by our friends over at the Warhorse Sportsbook. War Horse Sportsbook is the best place in Nebraska to go place your sports bets. You can do it in Lincoln or in Omaha now at Horstons Park. That's 6303 Q Street. Make sure you go check them out. You can place bets on nearly every major sporting event, whatever kind of bet you want to play, straight bets, parlays, props, live in-game bets. Check out warhorsecasino.com sportsbook or go to the Warhorse Casino app for details and the full list of house rules. War Horse Sportsbook, no bets, no glory. Joining us on that Warhorse Sportsbook hotline is our friend Kevin Suits from 1011 News in Lincoln. Kevin, how are you doing this morning? Doing well. Good morning to you, boys. What's up,
6: Kevin? the dream, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that non-bull eligible quite yet dream. Uh, I mean, that feels—that's
4: a real dream. A little bit like a nightmare, if I'm being honest, Kevin. <laughs> you know, I—I I, as we get closer and closer to the end of the season and fewer opportunities to earn that eligibility, I know I'm starting to tense up a little bit. Uh, How do you feel about their chances in one of these last two games to get that sixth win?
6: Don't you guys feel like, you know, the window is still open, but it's close to being closed just because of who's left, you know? If you you look at the four-game stretch that they had to try to get that sixth win, you would have thought for sure it's Michigan State or Maryland to get it done. Going to Madison and trying to win at a place that you haven't, uh is it's gonna be really challenging. And man, if it comes down to Black Friday against Iowa, that said that, that game already is is kind of layered up with some extra incentives. And I was pretty good this year. So if if it comes down to that for Nebraska, that's gonna be a pretty uh pressure packed moment and I don't know that this team has played with a whole lot of pressure so far this year.
4: Mm. Yeah, Kevin, thought is Iowa the worst good football team you've ever seen?
6: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
6: that's a pretty good way to describe it. Uh, they've got good special teams, and they've got really good defense, but their offense is not very good. Um, got, that's a good point, Robin. Yeah, they're the worst good football team I've seen.
4: I mean, somehow they're sitting with the way they're. I mean, because we've seen a, a sort of version of that here in Nebraska, right, where the defense is really good. Obviously, Iowa's special teams has been better than Nebraska, but Nebraska's sitting here at five and five, fighting for bowl eligibility, and Iowa's probably. I mean, they've only got they're eight and two. Chances are they're going to be ten and two, nine and three, worst case scenario, and playing for a Big Ten title, which I I don't think is going to go well, but they're in a dramatically different spot than Nebraska with not that dramatically different of a season.
6: Yeah, and I think that they just always play to who they are. And, you know, it's been kind of the Kirk France way for many years that, uh, you know, it's never sexy, it's never flashy, but somehow the winds are there. I have a friend who lives in Iowa, used to live here in Lincoln, uh, so he follows the Hawks a little bit. Not a huge fan, he's more of a Nebraska fan than an Iowa fan. And I asked him, you know, following the game on Saturday, like, w- w- so what's going to happen with this Nebraska-Iowa game? And he goes, if I'm Iowa, i just punch the ball the second I get it and then <laughs> just put the defense out there and wait for Nebraska to give you points.
4: Mm-hmm. So the water boy offense is right. what you mean.
6: Exactly right, yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of want to watch that happen because it would be so fascinating and a unique way to watch a football game.
5: Just hopefully Bobby Boucher doesn't show up at halftime. <laughs> now, as we approach this Wisconsin game, Kevin, one thing I kind of took away from the players yesterday was how visibly noticeable uh, it was that they didn't need any extra motivation other than knowing that, hey, nine straight losses dating back to 2012, one win in Madison and seven tries all time and none since 1966 for the, to be fired up for this matchup.
6: Yeah, you know, this staff, they're going to do whatever they can to motivate the guys. And as much as, you know, that staff says, well, what's in the past is in the past and we're not really worried about it too much, they will use those statistical factors just to try to make sure that this team, you know, has a little bit of an edge to them. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not surprised by it because, you know, this is the, the mental challenge of trying to get your team up for a game where, you know, let's be honest, Nebraska, the, the mentality within the locker room has to be different now than it was two weeks ago because there was the energy with the with the winning streak and on the brink of bull eligibility. So you need to try to put the carrot in front of the players right now and get them chasing after something because, you know, it, it, it's just different. You approach a game differently now. And I have to believe that some of the confidence that Nebraska was playing with in October, it has totally changed because of the way these last two games have played out.
4: You know, Kevin, speaking of confidence, I – I have such a hard time separating sometimes the way fans think, the way players think, the way coaches think because I think on some level like there's a kind of a base human nature to to the way everybody processes some of these things and when I look at the quarterback position I have to imagine that's one of the things that's eroded some of the conf- confidence in the rest of the team, right? Like it's it would be almost impossible not to
6: Put yourself in the shoes of Isaac Gifford and Ty Robinson mm-hmm. and Luke Reimer. You know, like, sudden change is always hard because, you know, you're on the sidelines, you're going through, you know, whatever information that your coordinator is giving you and your position coach, and then all of a sudden you got to stop that conversation abruptly and you got to race on the field and reset the mind. They're not just doing that once or twice a game. They're doing it five or six times a game.
1: That's tough. Mm-hmm. Not
6: to mention – the fatigue factor. And so as much as we like to praise this defense for, you know, what they're doing schematically and making plays and the takeaways are kind of here and there. I think one overlooked part of the whole piece with the defense is they're not wearing down. They're playing pretty well late in games when you got to consider they're on the field a lot. And when they go on the field, sometimes it is at a moment's notice. It's not after a kickoff or it's, it's, Yeah, we just threw a pick. Got to go. You know, that's tough. And so for them to have some mental endurance and physical endurance, you know, that's really impressed me so far this season.
5: Kevin, I kind of want to change gears here um, to Nebraska basketball, if we could. Um, You know, you – Well, for one, you're an AP Top 25 voter. You're a Heisman voter, too. I don't know how you got both of those accolades. Um, I bet you even have a say on who gets season tickets for Husker softball this year (laughs) and who doesn't. Um, But if we could stick with Nebraska basketball, what game on the calendar are you most looking forward to that will be your deciding vote on if this is a March caliber tournament team or not? Take everything into account, like not just a top team on their schedule or in the Big Ten, but... The point in the season when they win that game, if and assuming they're healthy, and all the other potential unknowns, uh, but make them knowns for this scenario?
6: All right, well, I'll give you the the layup answer here and say that's Creighton. Can they be competitive? I don't think Nebraska needs to beat Creighton, uh, because I think the Blue Jays are really good, and last night's game was certainly a lot of fun. Uh, But if you look at Nebraska, I think Creighton is just a nice barometer because you know that the Jays are pretty good. I would even say the game up in Sioux Falls against Oregon State because you're going against a Power 5 team uh, for the first time, and that's a week from Saturday, so it's coming up soon. I just want to see these guys with a little tougher competition. Those are two non-con games I would give you. And then, you know, in December, Nebraska plays a pair of pretty good conference teams. Uh, Michigan State, I know, uh, comes to Lincoln. Uh, I believe that game is the second week of December. I think that'll be a pretty good uh, test for how Nebraska is going to shape up this year. They're, they're good. I like some of the pieces they have. I think they're going to get better with Juan Gary in the lineup, and it sounds like that will happen tonight. Um, so with Fred in their staff, they're still figuring out combinations. They're not fully healthy. So I, I would hope that by the time the Creighton game rolls around and by the time that Michigan State game rolls around, you're you're more at 100%, and you can really identify – who's going to play well together, and who you're going to put on the floor at the same time.
4: Kevin, I know he's only played one game so far for Nebraska basketball this season, um, but do you have any level of concern uh, that maybe Kese Tomanaga isn't able to consistently provide the level of production that this team is going to need from him? Considering, like, last year, it was fairly uneven until the last nine or ten games of the season where he really started to emerge.
6: Yeah, I, if you're a fan and you're wondering, you know, Kaysay starts the game uh, the other night, he made his first three but missed like the next seven or eight, I, I wouldn't worry too much about that. Of course, there's going to be some nerds, there's going to be a little bit of rust uh, getting back on the floor with these guys. And remember, team chemistry is still being built with this squad. I think the Casey's going to be just fine, but Casey played on uh, Monday night just like Casey did in terms of if he's open, he's going to let it fly. And I got to figure the overall body work with them will fall. It may be a little inconsistent at times, but they're going to be nice. If he pops up and goes for hours.
4: Kevin, you sound like a Creighton fan there with that "let it fly," but uh, we'll let it slide on you this time, uh, Kevin. We appreciate your time as always. We'll talk to you again soon.
6: Alright,
4: do well guys. Thanks, Kevin. That's our guy Kevin Suits. Uh apologize for what coughing fit I had. No, you a don't. second ago. I am sorry. It didn't <laughs> feel good. Uh, <laughs> I no. cough all the time. People cough, Robbie. It's People okay. do cough. Coming up next, we'll wrap up hour number two on our Net Sports Radio.
3: It, it will be a, a, I guess a little bit of a challenge just from a time standpoint, but I think we'll get ahead a little bit this week and by the time we get back Saturday night and uh, get in the office on Sunday. We'll get put this game up, put this game away and get started on uh, our next opponent. And it will be a little bit quicker. And then with the the, the holiday, you know, you kind of lose half a day there, you know, which is good, getting to go home and and do Thanksgiving. But we'll figure it out. We've been doing it for twenty something years now, so we'll figure it out.
4: Wrapping up hour number two here on Herd at Sports Radio. You know, I I thought for a second there I might have a a personal injury while I was having my coughing fit there, but I didn't. I recovered. If I did, though, I'd have called my friends over at, at Dyer Law. Do you think they'd help you? I don't know, but they can advise me. They have a, a, a phone number you can call, 402-393-7529, <laughs> or you can chat with trusted professionals at Dyer.law. You know, maybe it's not something that I need a lawyer for, but they can lend you a helping hand no matter what you're going through, and you can figure out what is next and what you need to do. That's visit D Y E R dot law or call four zero two three nine three seven five two nine uh if you're dealing with a personal injury accident
5: of any kind. You may have thought uh to call them. I thought I was about to get an invitation to Thanksgiving with Satterfield. I know I you know I, was, I I was getting excited over here. You were you were you were a Doc Sadler? You excited? I, I was excited.
4: Um you know there's
2: It's I, excited I,
4: I we've talked about this I have such a hard time I have such a hard time figuring out how much of this is Satterfield's fault how much of it is the injuries how much Mm -hmm. of it it's not the offense that he wants to run how much of it is Chubba Purdy didn't get nearly the reps you would have liked to have seen this week and it all kind of came to a You know, there was that one play, the third and seven, we were talking, or the third and goal from the seven that we were talking to BC about, and that kind of felt like a microcosm of the entire offense, right? Because you've got a third string quarterback. That's a microcosm of the injuries. You've got a freshman wide receiver and a walk on wide receiver in uh, Coleman and Bullock trying to run their routes to the inside. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a microcosm of not only the, hey, injuries, we've got to go young talent, but also. These guys that have worked their way into spots like Alex Bullock where, you know, he was maybe an afterthought or forgotten on previous staffs. And then you've got Billy Kemp, I believe, not running his route correctly or where that or be,
5: precisely enough, which is the lack of execution we've seen on offense. That would be a good guess after hearing how they described where the yes. ball was supposed to be thrown.
4: They're talking about a corner route. That dude was at the goal line, right? Like he was basically in the directly in front of the goal line. And now line. sometimes
5: your routes take you there because of the way you're being defended. Yes, but if you're Billy Kemp,
4: you have to find a way to get your, get to the corner rather than kind of cutting that thing off. And so here's what I think happened. We talked about this pretty in depth after the show yesterday. And so I wanted to get into it so you had a chance and I had a chance to kind of walk through the process of what we think ha- think happened there. First of all, I think because of and you brought this up, because of the lack of reps, that Chubba Purdy had gotten, and because of the lack of execution from the other quarterbacks, I think he was told, hey, this ball needs to go to Billy Kemp. I don't think it, I think it was a one-read play in terms of, hey, Billy Kemp's going to the corner, you either throw, and kind of the way Rule has talked about it, too, it's either an incompletion or it's a touchdown, and we kick a field goal for the incompletion, right? I believe he was told, hey, this ball needs to go to Billy Kemp, it's either going to be a touchdown or it's going to be a, a incomplete completion, and then we're going to score points and take the lead. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, is the first thing to keep in mind here: is third and goal. You don't need to make it yes. complicated; just go one way. I, I think it was a one read route to Billy Kemp. Now here's where it got in trouble. As we said, Billy Kemp didn't run a corner. He kind of ran just a little out at the goal line, and because Purdy didn't have the reps, because the route wasn't run the way he, he was supposed to because Purdy was told, hey, this ball, we think, right? This ball needs to go to Billy Kemp. Even when Billy Kemp didn't run the route to the right spot, he still threw it to Billy Kemp. That's where the problem started to arise, right, with the other variables in this play. I imagine Malachi Coleman. Didn't clear his man out of that area fast enough. He got kind of jammed up at the, at the line of scrimmage. He's a freshman, probably doesn't totally know how to to disengage and get through that as quickly as he needs to to allow that throw. Now, again, if Billy Kemp runs to the corner instead of the goal line, you're probably okay. But with those two things combined, you had a problem. And you combine those two things with Purdy not having enough reps, with it being, I believe, a one read route, and Purdy not having – having just had the play earlier where he ad-libbed and he wasn't supposed to, he stuck to his gun. He's like, okay, this ball's going to Billy Kemp. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you have this cluster conglomerate of bad things that just happened that lead to a goal line interception. I think that's what happened. And it kind of goes to show you how complicated some of these things are. But I also think it goes to show you, hey, these quarterbacks now – Purdy, because he hasn't gotten a ton of reps, is a little bit different, but these quarterbacks haven't gotten, obviously, comfortable with the system enough to understand, like, oh, hey, Billy didn't run where he was supposed to. I'm throwing it out of the corner of the end zone anyway and chalk it up to miscommunication and leave it alone, go kick the field goal. Like, that's a veteran move is to say, hey, I'm not, I'm not still throwing it to Billy Kemp when it's not there anymore. You still got freshman wide receivers. If Malachi Coleman's a junior, he probably figures out a way to make sure his guy gets clear of that ball or clear of that that area before that ball's thrown. There's so many factors here that, yeah, some of them are going to be errors on the player, but I think some of it is what's being taught or what's being allowed in practice. And that, to me, is what needs cleaned up on the offense as much as anything.
5: It's cut and dry to me. Everything is wrong with the offense. <laughs> and it doesn't just start yeah. with quarterbacks. It doesn't just start with Satterfield. It starts with everybody. And the Huskers are 0-3 and 23 when scoring 10 or fewer points. They're 1-5 when scoring 17 points. Like That's, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to find a way to get above that 17-point threshold. Or you have to stop forcing shots in an effort to play to win versus playing for points and that's kind of what I brought up with with BC taking the points has to be front of mind for this team but going into that third down play just a little bit more maybe one one extra point to bring up because I I did I I do believe that it was hey throw this to Billy if we don't get it to Billy it's fine uh we'll we'll take three from Tristan we put Mm -hmm. our defense back on the field we have a lead uh maybe then Maryland plays uh their final drive differently because they're from behind versus, you know, tie ball game. And there would have been less time on the clock. And, and there would be less time for sure. One other point that I think um, needs to be brought up too is, I don't know if if – because when Malachi heard – that, hey, this ball was going to Billy, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't just a route-clearing thing for me. It was a, I'm, I can't touch this football thing. Sure. Because there are times when you're a freshman and, and, and you're, you're matched up with a senior, right? And if the senior has the so-called, and I'm going to you know, put the spin off the senior word, seniority. In that moment, they're saying, hey, the ball's going to Billy, Billy's catching this football. As a freshman, you're like, okay, my job is to not catch the football right? My job is to do X, X, Y, and Z right. But I think that's wrong. Everybody knew, yes, it was going to Billy, but you also have to have like a second nature gene inside of you yeah. to catch any ball that's thrown your way. I used to say it all the time, and I say it a lot with, with my baseball players too. If a ball is hit in the air, you are, you are acting like you're the only person that can catch this ball right now. Yeah. You're calling for the ball, and then we'll decide right, who actually has the so-called dominance over that play. Mm -hmm. If it's an infield, if it's a fly ball in the infield and the shortstop calls you off, like, yeah, that's a shortstop ball. But everybody is thinking, no matter what, that they can catch this ball. Same thing, same thing in center field. I'm thinking that I'm going to catch every ball. And that's what these receivers need to be thinking about no matter what. If you watch the playback, you see Coleman kind of throw his hands back because he knows I have to let this ball go to yeah. Billy. Even though it, it was a catchable ball, so it seemed, based on the film, Yeah, even if Malik, it wasn't intended for him. Right. If, if he, he does, does grab, catch it, it's probably a touchdown. It's, it's, it's six points. Yeah. It's six points. So based on that mistake – you have to be ready to catch the football, right? Even you may not even be the first option, yeah. right? But always you're looking around and you're thinking this football is getting thrown to me. That's what has to be instilled in, in, in brains. And that's why I wondered if everybody across the board knew it was only going to Billy and Billy only. Yeah. And so that's why it was like, oh, I got to just let it go to Billy. Mm-hmm. But that's, that, can't be, that can't be where we rest with this. Right. Everybody at any point in the game has to expect the football. They have to. And if the football is thrown in their general direction, you go and try to catch it. Yeah, you got to make a play. Even if you dive and you knock it down and you make the mistake, well, guess what? It's an incomplete pass. You take the points anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
4: It's, it's the – so I think, again, it's a combination of I think they were trying to simplify it for a quarterback that didn't have a ton of reps. I think it's a, a freshman wide receiver who hasn't been in that position very many times before, if at all, if, you know, I'm – Not Don't have every play memorized from this season, but hasn't been in that position very much as a – hasn't really been in any position very much as a college uh, wide receiver at this point, Malachi Coleman. And, again, you've got both the inexperience from both of those guys and the actual errors on the play as well. That's where it it became a – instead of a harmless incompletion or a touchdown – that's where it became an interception. And is that on the play calling? I mean, not necessarily, but, you know, I'll go back to this a uh, 100 times over again. A, calling a running play isn't conceding. Nebraska was running the ball really well. I believe they were at pretty close to six yards per carry on the final drive. They were gashing people on that final drive. That's a That's a very viable option from seven yards out. Or I'll say this until the day I die, I will die on this hill. QB rollout, simplify the field, make it easier to see what's happening because it's right in front of you and there's fewer bodies. Inexperienced quarterbacks need QB rollout. It helps them be better. This is not rocket science and we don't see it from Nebraska. It drives me a little bit crazy. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk to our friend Avery Howard from Hurt At Sports as we wrap up the last hour of the show on Hurt At Sports Radio.
2: You're listening to Hurt At Sports Radio. Uh, no tough setbacks. I mean, no, we just say those are chances we get to play. I mean, when, when, when that ball's kicked off, you got 60 minutes to go play, right? So so they work all year and they work all all week. They take all these reps during the week. They get hit and all this stuff, you know, lift all these weights. They got 50, 60, 70 plays in the game that they're going to get a chance to play, right? Of those 50, 60, 70 plays, we rotate guys. So you're talking about 35 to, 40, 35 to 40 chances you get to go out there and lay it on the line. So we played the defense plays their best ball when they get a chance to go play, you know, and and – The cool thing is when you watch them run out of there, when those things happen, it's just like just like we said, hey, we get to go play. You know what I mean? And that's that's the neat thing about it. That's the attitude we're talking about. It's like, it does not matter. You know what I mean? It does not matter. We just we get a chance to go play ball. Let's go play ball.
4: Let's go play ball indeed. Coach White. Let's keep playing ball at Nebraska, though. You don't need to worry about any of those California jobs. Yeah, don't, don't go anywhere else. Any please. of those California jobs are opening up. I wouldn't even worry about those. Uh, we're back for hour number three here on Herd at Sports Radio. Robbie Lula here, Andrew Rogers, Avery Howard joining us as well. We've got you covered on AM 590, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri Cities, and for this final hour, KFOR in Lincoln. Avery, how are we this morning? I'm good. Hey there.
7: Hey. Hey, I'm thought, connecting. Sorry. I
4: thought maybe you were going to no-show on us. I'm, I'm going to no. be honest. All right. No, uh, I was
7: actually going to be really good on time and uh, couldn't get out of my own driveway. So people were moving in, had their moving truck right behind me. Mm, yeah.
5: That's tough. So. Was it was it like open, had, like the door in the back was open, they were loading things, Well, so I they s- had to like clean that part up before they moved the truck? No,
7: I actually think it was they parked it to go like figure out where the location was because I saw them leave the truck and I was like, no, 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 no. Come back, come back. But they just moved it over enough that it was like one of those angled situations that, you know, you had to like, uh-huh. yeah. But. It didn't make you happy. No, it wasn't great. I was like, shoot, they can't make fun of me today. I'm going to be on time. No.
5: Yeah, Shane took the uh, the under, or at least he was praying for the under, and uh, well, the over was a heavy favorite. Oh,
7: yeah. you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> you know what's funny is I'm usually like I I'm always on time because like I have like the are
5: you on time like Lambo on time fifteen minutes early or are you on <laughs> time on time?
7: I usually like to be like ahead of schedule on time. Like I think it's like the college athlete PTSD. I have a little bit, mm. um, but. Yeah, this is the one thing that I don't know. You guys get. Yeah, to me. we did,
5: we obviously uh, aren't that important.
4: <laughs> yeah, I guess and that's we, what we're here. We didn't get uh, high on the priority list here. I see how it is. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's all good. Um, you know, we've been talking about the obviously the quarterback situation a lot about Satterfield and the offense and and all this stuff. I, I'm curious, you know, because I've asked everybody this week basically. Um, if you had to say today, who do you think ends up being your starting quarterback on Saturday?
7: Okay, I think it'll be Chuba. That's kind of what
5: I think, too. I'm getting a lot of Sims,
4: and yeah. I don't know how well, I feel about it. We're getting it.
5: Sims because Sims is labeled healthy. Yes. That's why Sims's name is number one in most people's minds. Yeah, But uh, based on the, the burst of energy Chubba brought on that yeah. last drive, it's, it's easier for people to lean Chubba. Because we all know what we get out of Jeff Sims. But and there's an positive. unknown yeah. about Chuba that's a little more exciting than the known of Jeff Sims. Yeah, I
4: think for me, it's just, it's a morale thing more than anything. I don't know, I mean, Avery, I don't know if you've been in this position, and I'm not going to ask you to throw any of your teammates mm-hmm. under the bus here, but, you know, I don't know if you've been in a position where when a certain person player teammate whatever comes on the field whether you're a fan coach player whatever and you say yeah I don't feel good about this situation because you there's a history of them either making mistakes or kind of leaving teammates hanging out to dry by not covering their assignments or whatever I think we've all been there at some point or Mm -hmm. another and I can't help but think that's gotta be creeping into nebraska's mindset a little bit with jeff sims no matter how much they like the guy as a person i mean i think he's at 70 plays and 10 turnovers on the season so at a certain good It's not good that's actually really bad oh um so at a certain point you kind of have to be like hey um we know you're gonna turn it over we don't necessarily want you out here like I, i Does that make any sense? No, it it does. does
7: I honestly, I genuinely feel bad for the guy. Like, I feel really bad for him just because you come in this year and you have high hopes. The Minnesota game was a flash of good, you know, despite the turnover situation. But it was like, okay, there were some promising pieces there. And then you have the Colorado situation where it's, maybe one of the bigger games he's been thrown into in a long time like I know Georgia Tech has a lot of big games week after week but this is a game that's like a long-standing rivalry between Nebraska and Colorado there was so much hype around it when's the last time Colorado's been this hyped up going into a season And then he kind of gets hurt, nicked up. And then not only are you battling the, I'm trying to get healthy, but I also kind of know this hometown kid is probably going to take my spot here and be a fan favorite after winning two games at home when he hadn't had two games to get under his belt to win at home. And then every single time he comes in, it's thrown into a – crap situation he's already probably mentally trying to figure out what the last time it was when he stepped on a live football field in a situation I don't know just watching him after the second turnover last weekend he just went over to the medical tent kind of hit himself behind the corner I watched him Mm -hmm. get on a knee take a few deep breaths I don't know if he was talking to someone or something but he had a few moments of conversation by himself and I watched him the fans booed him at one point pretty quickly, and uh, as he went, they jogged off the field. And I just can't imagine like what that's like to be in a new environment. They, you know, everyone loves the hometown kid. Heinrichs made his fair share, of the same amount of mistakes that Jeff's made, but they're gonna cheer their heads off for him when he gets called in the starting lineup, right? And so. I understand why people aren't Jeff Sims like fans. I but I then, you know, he shook it off. I tr- I watched him go like try to get his teammates a little rally. Hey, that's on me, I'm sorry, like let's whatever. Um, I just think the situation's tough and it's your first year here, so I mean, yeah, unfortunately the feelings are probably pretty negative towards Jeff right now, but I, I do genuinely have a really soft spot in my heart yeah. for him and so, just wishing the situation would have started a little bit different.
5: Some of that stuff I, I completely mm-hmm. agree with. Some other things, though, just to base off of points, like we'll we'll, we'll start with the cheering thing with Heinrich. Uh, I think the I, cheering I think, is over for Heinrich. Well, I, I, <laughs> right. I, I don't know if it was ever like you know so-called like oh my gosh it's Heinrich like we're gonna win this football game I think it was more like thank goodness he's the best of the bunch right right and so they're cheering because it's just like oh thank goodness it's him and not right somebody but it's not like oh my gosh it's JJ McCarthy getting you know called his name yeah um so that that there's a little difference there the stuff that you bring up though with like the mental side that Jeff has had to overcome Mm -hmm. is huge Mm -hmm. and I would completely agree with that but even early on in in the season after the Minnesota game, it wasn't the, oh, my goodness, like we saw some good things from Jeff Sims. It was, gosh, this defense is good. Sure. And the defense yeah. just got the love right away and, and consistently has mm-hmm. been the biggest piece of it all. But the Colorado game's a good example because of the hype that Dion brought in with it and the rivalry between Nebraska and Colorado, and it's just not going his way. And then Heinrich had some easier games. Start, I, I, yeah. I think we can all mm-hmm. admit that. He had some easier non-conference games that were – better positions to be thrown into than what Jeff Sims has had. And part of me wonders
4: if Sims had been healthy. So he goes, has the tough start, gets 0-2 with Minnesota and Colorado. And that was my follow-up. And then if he had been healthy for Louisiana Tech, Northern Illinois, is he able to get this thing back on track? I mean, he's got a pretty long track record of being at least a competent Division I Power 5 quarterback. And that's not what we've seen this year. I mean, he has not been a competent quarterback this year. Uh, Whether we like the guy or not, just from on the field, he hasn't. So, you know, I wonder if he had gotten that chance to kind of get right in those two group of five games, if he would have been able to turn it around. Now, obviously, we will never know. Uh, What we do know is after those two games, Heinrich turned it around the other direction Mm -hmm. and kind of turned into a Jeff Sims clone in terms Mm -hmm. of the turnovers that he he was causing there. But it's just a... You know, I, I do feel bad for Jeff Sims on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a – I don't want to say professional level, but, I mean, we're – let's be honest, college football at this level is pretty close to a professional sport. On a professional level, you just have to be like, hey, the guy's not getting it done. Yeah,
7: right? and you also know this comes with it when you walk into being a starting quarterback. So I understand that part yeah. too. There's, there's a comment in the section that I want to ask you guys now. Someone said he shows zero emotion when he continues to mess up. He has zero competitive spirit. And I have a really, I'll be honest, I have a really tough time with that because Uh I remember sitting in the stands during I was in college, and uh, I remember someone said that about Adrian behind me, Adrian Martinez, Mm -hmm. and someone said, he just doesn't care, he doesn't want to be out there. And because we see a calm, cool collectiveness of an athlete, does that determine that we think they don't care? And I'm going to make a baseball reference because my brothers are pitchers, but... Mm -hmm. They can't show emotion on the mound after they just walked three guys. Yeah, you don't want them to. No, you can't. And you want them to be fired up and to make a response, but they have. You're the leader in that moment. The quarterback's the leader. When they start showing panic and this, emo- like, there's a there's a point that you have to stay pretty even keeled. I mean, we watched Talia Tagueloa outwardly show a lot of emotion mm-hmm. this past weekend, and it was criticized. Yeah, it was. Oh no, Maryland might self implode here. Look at their pointing fingers and they're freaking out. So where do you where do you draw the line and where do you Balance that because I feel like it's an interesting thing to say that someone doesn't show emotion right. and I therefore th- they don't care. Emotion is the wrong word. Yeah,
5: fear is probably the right mm-hmm. word because Jeff Sims shows fear when yeah. he's out there, mm-hmm. and I think he is scared to yeah, make hesitant. a mistake. Yeah, and that leads to hesitancy, and that leads to um, you know uh, other things. And you, you can toss any word into the mix, but emotion isn't the right word because you have to kind of stay blank. Mm-hmm. You don't want to like show too much color on your page. I brought it up during the world series, when Nathan Avaldi walked three guys and it was the fourth inning and nobody (laughs) out, he didn't show a lick of emotion, Mm -hmm. but he was able to get out of it. It's about how you turn a negative situation into a positive, but I just don't know if Jeff Sims has enough confidence in himself Mm -hmm. to do that right now. There's a separation between emotion and fear, and I think fear is the the more appropriate word. Yeah, I mean, so it's kind of funny because this is a very...
4: results-based conversation, right? When somebody doesn't show emotion and things aren't going well, then we say, oh, this guy doesn't care. He doesn't have competitive spirit. But then you have Joe Burrow, who maybe the thing that we like most about him is how cool and calm and collected he is. Cool Joe. And literally like sociopath levels of lack of emotion. And we're like, man, isn't it great? Nothing rattles this guy. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's essential. And listen, I'm not even saying Jeff Sims is doing that. uh, But... It's essentially the same thing. It's just, hey, when things are going well, it's seen as this huge positive. When things are going poorly, you can either say it as, oh, this guy doesn't care, or he loses his cool and, and loses his emotions. It's like, I, you know, I, I don't really read too much into stuff like that um, because a lot – I mean, you know, Tim Tebow, super fiery quarterback, not exactly the guy you want running your NFL franchise. Great in college, sure, and it worked for that team, but – you know, there's a lot of things on that team that I don't want going on for Nebraska in terms of some of the people on that roster, right? So it, it's, I think, a very murky place to be because I think it's so oh. circumstantial uh, based on, on what's happening mm-hmm. and what the results end up being. So I, I don't really love getting into that part of it. Um, I, I do. So I, I heard a rumor this week, just, just sticking on the quarterbacks, that. Rumor has it. A- uh, you know, I love a rumor. Uh, coaching rumors, transfer rumors—they're my favorite. Uh, but I'm I heard just a, a gossip guy. I, well, you know, in, like. in sports at least. Um, the, <laughs> uh, the I heard a rumor this week that Chuba was supposed to get surgery on that groin in season, maybe as soon as this week, and that has been postponed. Um, it's a reasonably good source where I heard this from. I wouldn't say it's locked like, like 100% locked, but I feel pretty decent about it enough to say it on the air. Um, and now that he's not having that, it leads me to believe yeah. that a two things are, are either true: they want him to play, or Harburg's injury is bad enough that they think they're going to need him at some That's point as I'm the primary too, backup. That's too. Because
7: if Jeff Goes and Heinrichs out. Now you're down to what one guy?
4: You're down to Longball or Jack Wochi basically at that point. If if Chuba has the surgery, right. so either in my mind that means either Harburg's injuries probably. I don't want to. I mean, you only have two weeks left. That might be a season ender with a high ankle sprain, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. within the normal time yeah. frame. It, it's four weeks. Is it sounds dramatic to say season ending, but just where we're at in the season, it could be. Yeah. So it's either I think that, and maybe both are true, or. They want to see Chuba in there as the starter the next couple of games like that's so I think it's a little interesting piece of information I don't know how much it changes anything but I in my mind I do think uh, maybe, I don't think we're seeing Harburg again this year
5: yeah unless they get to a bowl game and it's a deep sure bowl game. yeah but I mean regular season yeah but still if you get to a bowl game do you want somebody that has been you know sitting out for the last four or five weeks, or do you want somebody that's at least been getting the reps constantly? And that, so, that would be the question. And, you and let's say Chubble
4: on. plays well in the last two games. You probably want to give him a month of practice or a couple weeks of practice, whatever their bowl game would land, and say, hey, let's, let's see what this guy does. With That would be the first time in his career he would get an extended period of time as the guy getting number one reps. And I don't know that people always appreciate how useful that is in terms of getting a full offseason or getting a full spring or even an extended period of time like the, different, the end between a regular season and a bowl game, to be the guy and get that level of reps I think is way more crucial in people's development than, than maybe we realize. So um, it'll be interesting to see. And you wonder you know, if they do make a bowl game, do they, do they put off the surgery even more? You know, do they put off the... Yeah, at some point you have to think about the athlete over the situation. And Um, you have to also think about okay, would you rather have him for a bowl game or would you rather make sure he's 100% healthy for winter conditioning and for the spring game if he's playing an coming back? Like, you you kind of start to have to weigh those things, but I, I think it's safe to say it's not happening until after Iowa.
5: Well, it's interesting, too. The Elliott Brown situation is what this makes me think of. Um, you know, coach saying, like, no, you're not going to be on the sidelines, you know, helping, you know, Coach McGuire and calling plays and things like that. It's It's going to be, you're going to get the surgery. So it's interesting to see kind of, like, the difference here by if going off of what Ravi was saying with his source, if that indeed comes out to be true and he Chubb is a guy that needs surgery, knowing that the coaching staff is, like, okay with Chubb sticking around, I don't want to say that that shows desperation, but it just shows that uh, they're in need of him being there in that room and competitive and possibly starting um, from a week-to-week basis or at least coming in. Like, we, we heard Satterfield talk about, hey, we're going to use all three quarterbacks – is that a recipe for success? Obviously not, but it's at least giving you options throughout the game if something were to go wrong, because we've seen over weeks and weeks ago, turnovers have been an issue. Uh, reading and executing throws have, have been an issue. So if that's not happening and that's not going right, and say Chuba does you know, go get his surgery, uh, you know all alluding to that fact mm-hmm. well can you trust luke longvall to like step up and and be like that next big thing or, or somebody else younger in that room to step up and be what you could expect out of chuba versus sims if things went wrong it's a tough situation for the staff to really be in
7: i also think as a staff i it might be one of those surgeries that hey we were going to go through with it this season but it but it also could have happened after this season. I don't think they would do anything where it's like, well, this had happened in season, now we're obviously going to. Yeah, I don't think detrimental. So, yeah, it was one of those maybe a timing situation. It was going to be fine. Maybe Chuba just wasn't going to be necessarily be in the picture this year. Let's just get you on the health track and get you kind of jump-started for whatever next season looks like. and. Because of circumstances, obviously, I think it's like one of those that, you know, it doesn't have to happen right now. Let's give it two weeks and it's not going to make anything worse kind of situation. But I can't imagine the staff either would, you know, make that personal decision for him.
4: Yeah. Well, Well, and, you know, it goes kind of of back to what we heard Rule say this week about Elijah Robinson, right? Like there's some coaches that are in it for themselves and there's some (laughs) coaches that are in it for the players. And, you know, I I think I fully believe that Coach Rule is – one of the guys that are, that's in it for the player. So if, I don't think he would ever do anything that was no. actively detrimental to Chubba Purdy. Um, but it's also one of those things that's like, well, okay, if he's not going to play, let's get the surgery done as soon as possible so he's he's ready to go, whether he wants to you know, try and graduate and transfer or be around for spring and, and, and winter conditioning, um, whatever the case is there. But, um, Avery, I, I'm curious how you're starting to feel about this Wisconsin game. Mm-hmm. I know... For me, even just a couple of weeks ago, I looked at it as kind of this daunting task and going up to Madison and this team. But Avery likes Madison. She sure loves do. Madison. Loves East Lansing, loves Madison, loves all the opposing teams. Um,
7: I, that's great. Thanks, Shane. Can I have that, actually? Um, let me go. Yep. Good. Any more?
4: Okay. Do we have an East Lansing one in there, too, Shane?
7: <laughs> um.
5: <laughs> can i get that blah, 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 yeah blah.
7: yeah no 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 we're done ah! <laughs> yeah um what was i gonna say uh, see this was me when i was making fun of you guys the cha- oh, tone, i don't think so. the tone uh, of my voice huh? definitely changed oh no, i that changed i love voice. boulder no what i was saying was <laughs> <laughs> it's so great Okay. So much nature. What I was going to say was, I like the opposing. Pretty neat.
4: (laughs) Okay. All right, Madison.
7: I was going to say, I like the opposing places we've traveled to.
4: Sure, yes. Um, But in terms of the actual football team, not that long ago, I looked at this as a pretty daunting task. Yep. Now, Wisconsin looks like they're in a similar place, maybe a worse place than Nebraska at this point. How have you kind of, how have your feelings about this game changed as both Nebraska and Wisconsin seasons have started to take on different tracks.
7: Yeah, well, we'll talk about this in our preview, because when I was looking at the comparisons of the two teams, it's kind of like a little bit eerie, like how similar. It's a I, Spider-Man meme. It's, yeah, and it's weird because I think I say it's, it's odd to see these two teams look as like – side by side just with the obvious the two Mm -hmm. new head coaches two head coaches that were highly regarded uh you have two teams that are five and five the bowl game continues to linger over you have backup quarterbacks at play here i mean i'm i'm gonna assume even if jeff sims playing, i'm gonna have him considered a backup situation or Mm -hmm. an uncomfortable situation you have tanner mordecai goes out earlier against iowa now you've got a kid that's trying to you know step in and then you have two teams that are on a two-plus losing streak. So, I don't know. I think it's an interesting situation to uh, to see <laughs> Nebraska play Wisconsin and them not seem as like you said daunting, daunting. Mm-hmm. yeah but the thing that i what that continues to make me nervous is that it's a night game away on the road and no matter wisconsin's a similar situation nebraska like their fans are going to show up they've got great traditions you know that
4: gets a little crazy yeah too. It, and it does
7: they got their old jump around situation and they've got things that they do before the fourth quarter like nebraska does like they've got their deep rooted things this isn't going to be a night game at illinois or a night game somewhere else where it's you know fair weather uh it'll still be intense and i think the thing that's interesting too is you know luke fickle last week said you know something about this the the embarrassment he put the embarrassment word out there and i think that's uh, uh, clearly he, i i assume i assume the first time his players heard him say that wasn't publicly i assume that was probably spoken within the locker room we first hope so. As a player, I would hope so. I assume, and I think Coach Fickle's a good enough coach that he knows what that word carries. Mm-hmm. That I think that might be something that hey, we need to start looking in the mirror because this that was embarrassing for Wisconsin. I assume that had something to do within the locker room before it was said publicly. That that's an immediate challenge without challenging, mm-hmm. right? Like this, players are like. At. Like, new head coach just said we were embarrassing. Like, you know, that's – so they're going to play with some revenge. Nebraska's going to want to play with some revenge. So it's one of those – I've said it for, like, five weeks now. It's like, who's going to respond? Like, aside from the football, who's going to mentally show up and respond?
5: You know, the other point to that, too, is the players reacting the same way in that embarrassment and speaking the embarrassment. So yeah. it wasn't just like, hey, I heard it from Coach. No, right. I feel it, no, too. No, I feel it, too. Like, mm-hmm. and good athletes recognize the fact that – this isn't this isn't anything what, what we thought it was mm-hmm. going to be leading up to this week. So revenge is the perfect word to use for that team because they'll have a little extra spark, a little extra yeah. motivation. It's it's a rivalry game. I know we talk about like rivalry games like you know throughout, but like it seems like Nebraska has like four or five different rivals literally um, if if you kind of like date it back. So uh, the worry for me more is it seems like Wisconsin at least has the pieces to be successful, like they have a starting quarterback that, that is proven, they have a really good big named running back who hasn't shown enough yeah. this year, yeah. but has in the past, it's just a matter of if those pieces are enough, if that so-called talent is enough to give you the W. At this point, I'm not sure.
4: Well, let's see if Avery's talent and guess who translates to a new game today. Uh-oh. That's coming up next here on Herd Sports Radio.
1: You're listening to Herd at Sports Radio.
4: Welcome back to Herd at Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula, Andrew Rogers and Avery Howard here with me. We are brought to you by our friends at Dingman's Collision Center. They've been in business for over 25 years in Omaha, family-owned and operated local business. Voted first place best of Omaha for 18 years running. They've got four great Omaha area locations, and they can work on any make and model that you've got. They've also uh, got a terrific give-back program. They give back to the community with every car repaired. Visit Dingman's.com to find out more information both about their give-back program and about their products and services. That's our friends at Dingman's Collision Center. All right, it is uh it's time to play our game.
5: All right, you ready? You want to go grab yeah, it? Yeah, I'm going to go get it. We're, Shane, we're, do you have like some like very uh like Spartan like music from 300 <laughs> whenever
4: I walk back with this? I'm
7: scared, honestly.
4: Uh Avery, you know we we actually said it this morning. I don't think you were listening yet. Um, you get to play Shane's World this week.
7: No. <laughs> no.
4: We've got. No,
7: I don't have water.
4: We've got the. Uh, don't worry. We're, it, we're live from Herd Out Sports Bar and Grill. They have water here. We I can, gotta, I We got to go right now. We can go get some. We'll get some water for you. Um, listen, maybe you'll have terrific luck like me and only get good jelly beans. Um, or maybe you'll be like Andrew and get a bad jelly bean every single time.
5: Never yeah, know. that is, that is me. <laughs> we, <laughs> we never, never know. know of the time. Um, yeah, well, Avery, we know how much you love the game. You said you used to play with your cousins all the time, yeah. so that's why we're gonna play it.
7: <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> I said I said it has some of our best memories because it was so funny. I didn't say that I wanted to play. So it. So we're just try trying to it? help I, you I'm make I'm
5: prepared too. I was so excited not to like show off any of this that I don't have a spit cup ready. I don't have a cup of water ready. <laughs> do you, so. you want to go run real quick? We can. Yeah,
4: we can, I want water. Yeah, yeah right. you guys, you guys do it. All this right. Are you
7: gonna get me water? Nope.
4: Can you please get her some water, Andrew? Be a nice teammate.
7: I'm rewarding myself playing this game by. I'm going to go to Starbucks after this.
4: <laughs> well, while, while we're waiting for Andrew, uh, I also want to tell you about our friends over at Big Brothers and Big Sisters. It is their mission to support one to one mentoring relationships that ignite the power and promise of youth. You can go to mentoromaha.org to sign up to become a big or. If you're like me, maybe you don't want to hang out with kids that much, think they're a tough hang, you can go to mentoromaha.org, donate money, donate tickets to events. You can invite them to your business to kind of show them what you do, or you can sponsor or participate in upcoming events as well, so that people like Andrew and Avery, who love kids, can go hang out and be a big, that is mentoromaha.org. Oh, I don't get it. Oh, there we go. I was like, you didn't give me a spit cup, Andrew. How dare you? You Come know what? Guys, I'm here for you. <laughs> you know what's a You know what's a tough hang. What's that? Shane's
0: world, Shane's world, party <laughs> time. Excellent. Okay.
5: All right. Excellent. Excellent. So, did you explain the game? I haven't
4: no? yet. I've watched you guys. Okay. I've, I've watched you guys. So, for the it. people, we can uh, do a quick recap here. We're going to name a category. Shane has to name as many uh, things in that category in 10 seconds as possible. And we are going to bet on how many of those things mm-hmm. he can name. The loser has to spin the jelly bean wheel and take their chances with either a delicious jelly bean or a less delicious jelly bean.
5: So since this is like a a, a three way game, yes, are we gonna make it one v one like we normally do, or are we I gonna say like I say three, Avery says four, you you can whoever's the not closest mm. because it's an advantage for the person that goes first. It is because we all know Shane doesn't get more than like five normally. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So shoot, I feel I, like we should team shoot up. low. Yeah, I feel like it should be like you against me, then. The winner against, against Avery. Yeah, or, okay. or the loser against Avery. Like the loser stays. Okay. The winner gets a break. Loser stays. Okay, so.
4: The Andrew,
7: loser, the person that just ate the jelly bean, has to, has go, to again. go again. Huh? Yes. Oh, yeah.
4: We play tough here on uh, <laughs> Heard Out Sports Radio. All right, so Andrew and I will go first so you get a little reprieve to start. Yeah. We'll start here. You look like you've actively got anxiety here, how m- Avery. How many think you, uh, hold I on? I just
7: know I how long name. these stay in your mouth. Well,
4: that's, you have to chew at least three times, then you can spit it out. Mm-hmm.
7: going then gag on camera. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, I do that every day, or, or at least every week. Okay, what, what's the category again? The top one here. Oh, uh, well, I can't see it. Turn your computer. You know it. Okay, I yeah, yeah. You yeah I, listen, that's been like two hours. I can't remember. Come on. Um, all right, I'm ready to go. <laughs> um, do you want to go first? Or you want me to. I think he can name three. Oh, he can easily, easily name four. Oh, that's this is not good. Party on, brother! Let's go, Shane! Party on! Come on, baby! I got to pulled up. I was going pull up a list because I, I, I pulled up right here. <laughs> I I'm don't good. know if I can name four. <laughs> All right, I could have named four. I couldn't name five. <laughs> See, I, that's that's why like I couldn't go to five. Yeah, like hundred I could do four. Could not have gone to five. Um, Shane, are you ready? Let's do it. In 10 seconds name as many Justice League superheroes as you can. Go. Superman, Batman, Robin, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and The Flash. That's it. He got five. Green Robin arrow. isn't a superhero, so I wasn't counting Oh
7: You said three. Black
4: oh. Arrow. Yeah, That's a baby. Holy
1: that
5: moly. Boy Shane. So I got 8 out of in 10 seconds. Uh, so. I, I, did you get 8? I stopped I don't, after You got I heard to the the flash. six in like 8. And I was like, "All right. Well, is Robin a superhero? Yes. Or is he's, he a sidekick? Oh, he, he's I, part of he, the... I mean, he got it. Anyway. He got it he's a part he of the, it, the Justice yeah. League, but is he a superhero? He got it he got more anyway. He got more, yeah. yeah. But I'm just curious.
7: Head cushion. Come
5: on, baby. Get a bad one. Bad one. Bad one. We have
4: birthday cake or dirty dishwasher? so... Oh, dirty oh, dish man. water. Um, Which one is it? It's like it's the it's the white one with sprinkles. This guy right here. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. You can, you can touch my jelly bean. That's yeah, okay. you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Already? I washed my
5: hands. Avery's already, already given the face of no return.
4: This is how I always get a good one. I I can do a little.
5: Did you do the wrong sign? Always, I always do. (laughs) Sign across.
4: All right, here we go. Mm, Hmm, that's dishwater. (laughs) What does it taste like? There's like a hint of sweetness to it, but then it goes bad a little bit. It's weird. Like it's it's almost like you stuck a cake in the dishwater. Oh, like it's a little sweet.
7: How do they? I just want to know, like, how do they make this crap? I don't know, like but what, you guys are
5: to, playing the next round. How, That's how what do, I do know.
7: How do they curate this stuff? I've always wondered. Oh, that wondered. was
5: lingering a little bit. This one's going to be a fun one. That one might be worse than this. What okay, is it? Show that to Avery. Can you read that? Oh. Can you read that? So this is which, nope, how many you think Shane can guess in 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Okay.
7: okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I, sorry, I, I could
5: have blown it
4: up. It's
7: okay. I can't read over there. <laughs> no, how many in, a, in 10 seconds? In 10 yeah, seconds, 10 how, seconds. Many how many can Shane name?
4: Oh, that one's lying lingering on the tongue a little bit. <laughs> that one's worse than Dead Fish for you? Yeah, for sure.
7: What?
4: No, <laughs> yeah, well, no, no.
0: Get out of here. Okay. I, I think I have more anxiety right now than Avery does. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I don't know, but to be good, she's like almost visibly shaking. She does, she does not look happy about it. <laughs> okay. How many can Shane get of that new prompt in 10 seconds? Avery, you go first seven Ooh, go for it, go for sh- it. this is that's easy good. that's this high is easy. seven in 10 seconds oh though? my goodness and i'll explain why in a moment i and could I, name
7: I... off in five seconds
5: uh, well it's shane though not you
7: <laughs> shane you're fine i got i got faith See, in you shane. she
4: went seven right off the
5: bat i actually think that's a smart move thanks I mean, there's no way I was gonna go higher than seven. I would have gone eight for sure, and <laughs> I think she would have came back with nine. <laughs> Not a chance. Would you
7: have gone nine? Am I allowed to like re You can go as yeah, you can go as yeah. high as you want. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Go if back I, and I don't forward. know if I would do nine, but it would depend on what he says here. Think
5: about it. Like he would have got. I bet he gets ten in ten seconds. <laughs> okay. There's no way. What's no your way. What's your guess, you,
7: Robbie? Uh,
5: five. Okay. Okay. Here we go, Shane. Faith, do you have to name? I have faith, Shane. Seven, Robbie. You ready with time? Yep. Seven colors in ten seconds. Go. Black, blue, yellow, green, brown, gray, silver, red, white, orange. All right, he got it. How many was that in ten seconds, guys? Twelve. I think it was ten.
0: <laughs> ten.
5: <laughs> so Avery doesn't get to count at all, ever.
4: I he got thirty-seven. It was unbelievable. <laughs> See, that was easy.
7: That was doubting Shane. That was I. Mean, I dude. told
4: you guys. Listen, okay. There's a reason I doubt Shane. Okay. There we. <laughs>
7: Colors, we, colors. No, listen,
4: no, listen. <laughs> Mountain. Dew
7: he was, I know he, the Mountain Dew story, but colors. He didn't name the flavor of Mountain Dew he
4: was currently <laughs> drinking. Well, sometimes it just it was. Your mind. In, it was literally like right here, and he's like Mountain Dew, Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> we. He only needed to name three, and there was another variation in front of his face.
5: Shane, that was great.
4: Shane, was I believe really in you. Yeah. So that's why I have a little bit of doubt. Mm-hmm. That's all. Spin that wheel. Here we go.
7: Well your doubt got it. It didn't you pay it
4: didn't pay off. What we you, have Oh no. Uh It's peacher Barf.
5: <laughs> oh no, we haven't had this one yet. This is the
4: first bar form.
5: Um alright, well you look for the right one
4: because I don't wanna um, I don't want I think it's this bright orange one, isn't it? It's it's or is it the bright orange one, or is it I th- the like slightly less? I, I think less, it's this guy. The like darker orange. I think so. Okay, let's give it a go. We've got 20 seconds let's here. Let's
5: give it a go. The duck said, "No, no, Here we Are go. Are we sure that's it? It may be dead fish. I don't know.
4: This is a great game. You're enjoying yourself, huh? What do you got over there?
0: No, I got a lot of excitement let give it a go. Yeah, go ahead and give
5: it a go. That's far. Yeah, that's bad.
1: <laughs> that was
4: really bad. That was really bad. <laughs> I think Karma came to get me.
1: Oh my goodness!
4: I'm, I'm having a bad day, guys. Oh. More hurt at Sports Radio coming up next.
1: You're listening to Hurt At Sports Radio.
3: Just, I mean, just have, like I just said, they're big, physical, run to the football, play great team defense. Uh, they got two linebackers that fly sideline to sideline that are older guys that have played a lot of football. They've got five or six guys that play defensive line that look all the same. I mean, they're all just big, physical, just just hard to move. Like, they get their feet in the ground, they're hard to move them. They got, you know, two good, really good corners, one leading the league in interceptions, I believe. Uh, so, you got to make sure you know where he is. And, you know, they just, their scheme is very sound and they, they make you have to play football and, and earn your yards and earn your points.
4: Wrapping up the show here on Herd Out Sports Radio. Still trying to get the taste of barf jelly bean out of my mouth. Appreciate Avery's mom calling me soft in the YouTube comments. I uh, yeah, that's fair. That's but fair. But you were the ones you were the one that had to try them both. So I did. Yeah. It was a bad she's, week for me. She's
7: played the game before, so at least she knows, but <laughs> Yeah, oof.
4: it's a it was a bad week for me uh, after having a really good run to start the mm-hmm. season. You know, I've hit some hard
5: times. Got Avery do you spare. feel on top of the world right now knowing that you didn't have to <laughs> yeah, I'm touch the jelly bean today? I'm chilling over here. Oh, we're playing I'm maybe. on top of the world any day. I don't have to touch these things. <laughs> we're playing again next week. Um the She's <laughs> gonna go remote. <laughs> you can't tell her that.
4: <laughs> Just kidding. We'll never play again, Avery. mm mm-hmm. um, <laughs> We wanted to get into uh, some Big Ten West football specifically here uh, with Avery as, you know, we kind of start to wrap up the show here. Uh, I heard this done with NFL games on a podcast that I listened to, and I thought it was an interesting concept, so I wanted to bring it over here with the wild, wild Big Ten West, uh, which is, uh, I'm going to call it Interesting. You know, you've got uh, five teams at five and five, all mm-hmm. three and four in conference. And some people would call that a cluster of mediocrity. I call it uh, interesting. We're going to
5: stick with interesting. Oh, is that what you call it? I yes. thought you called it something different off well, the air. Well, off
4: the air, I call things <laughs> a little bit different than on air. Uh, you can use other words. Um, like fun, super fun Big Ten West football. Like Ricardo Kaka? <laughs> <laughs> Great, soccer, soccer. Great soccer player. Um, those Brazilians. So good. <laughs> um, he was Brazilian, right? I don't know. I think he was. <laughs> Avery, do you know? I, I know he played for Real yeah. Madrid. Kaka, was he a Brazilian? I don't
7: know. Yeah, maybe.
4: Okay, anyway. We'll say he's Brazilian. Uh, anyway. Well, maybe. Well, well, maybe. He is. So yeah, there's yeah, a few- Brazil. He is Brazil. Nailed I it. saw it on our jersey, Brazilian. actually, but yeah. Uh, there were a few games I wanted to get to uh, with the Big Ten West, and, or teams involving the Big Ten West at least, and I wanted your guys' opinion whether you thought it was a good win for the team that won or a bad loss for the team mm-hmm. that lost, right? A lot of times we look at these things and be like, oh, that's a great win, but sometimes it's like, oh, they blew that one. I want to start with I think the one that Andrew and I differ on the most here, and that is Northwestern and Wisconsin. Andrew, is that a good win for Northwestern or a bad win for
5: Wisconsin? It is a bad loss for Wisconsin. Bad loss um, yes, bad loss. And for the Wisconsin. reason it's a bad loss for Wisconsin is even though the program is in disarray right now, mm-hmm. other programs are in disarray too. Uh, let's slot in Nebraska into this conversation. First and first Nebraska off, found a way <laughs> to beat Northwestern. They did, yeah. So yeah. the fact that Wisconsin couldn't, and not only couldn't, but lost by 14 mm-hmm. – that's a bad loss for Wisconsin. And we're down by 21 for most of the game. Now, some would argue the other point of, well, Northwestern's playing good football, so um, or, or Northwestern isn't a good team, so beating Wisconsin's a good win for them. But actually, they are playing good football. There's yeah. a reason they're 5-5. Five and five. So that's why I lean more on Wisconsin's a bad loss, uh, or, or Wisconsin had a bad loss against Northwestern versus the latter. So I think it's a good win for Northwestern
4: because of what you said. This isn't a... You know, like for instance, and we'll get to this one later, this isn't like a 3-7 and seven Purdue team or a 2-7 and seven Purdue team going into Minnesota, right? These teams were 5-4 and four and 4-5 four and five going into this game. They were basically even. I understand that Wisconsin had higher expectations, but at this point in the season, this was a fairly even matchup, I thought, and I thought Northwestern came out, did what they needed to do, and took care of business at Wisconsin, and... So for me, because Northwestern is having a solid season, it's less about Wisconsin blowing it and losing, and more about Northwestern doing what they needed to do on the road to pick up a big win at Wisconsin. Avery, you kind of get the concept of the game?
7: <laughs> yeah, I gotcha, I gotcha.
4: Um, you have any thoughts on Northwestern-Wisconsin, you want to move on?
7: No, I kinda th- I'm going to go with I think it was a good win for Northwestern, just because when you look at the team stats, they're pretty equal across the board, but... Uh, Northwestern found a way to rush on Wisconsin as well, and once again, kind of we mentioned like Wisconsin hasn't been able to find their rush game when you would think like that's kind of something that they should be leaning into just with having Braylon Allen <laughs> in your backfield. But uh, should be so much better, yeah, and yeah, and has had performing. and has had great seasons, yeah. Um, but the reason I say that too is just the the outside. Um, things that are happening in Northwestern's program the head coach situation I think for the team to rally the way they have the the latter portion of the season and um just go up against a big 10 you know pretty daunting opponent usually and Mm -hmm. to be able to slam the door the way they did and be up for that much of the game I mean when you look at just like little stats like first downs and third down efficiency and penalties like almost identical but They didn't fumble the ball. They didn't turn it over where Wisconsin did. So they took advantage of that. So I think it's a good win on Northwestern's part. So, I mean, obviously not the greatest performance ever for Wisconsin, but Northwestern also found a way to manufacture points. It wasn't a seven-to-three game situation.
4: So this one I think is a little bit uh, interesting because I really don't know where you guys are going to land on this one. Um, And this only involves one Big Ten West team, but Illinois getting that 48-45 to overtime win – against indiana illinois came into the game four and five indiana came into the game at three and six so only a one game separator there coming in as well indiana obviously has struggled but it's not like illinois lit the world on fire Mm -hmm. this year either um i thought this was a good win for illinois mostly because where where illinois is at as a program i think they're all good wins this year i don't think they're playing great football they had a backup quarterback throw for 507 yards in that game, four touchdowns, just one pick. Dear God, I wish any of our quarterbacks could do that over the course of like a month, much less a game. Uh, but I thought this was a great win for Illinois, uh, being able to get themselves within a game of bowl eligibility. I, don't, I can't remember the last time they made back-to-back bowls, but I think it was the 80s. It was a very long time ago. Um, every time they've had success, uh, or maybe it's three bowls in a row. But they every time they've had success, they have a really hard time replicating mm-hmm. that success. Obviously, they were better than expected last year. Be interesting to see uh, if they're able to get bowl eligible again this year. But I think this is a good win for it's Illinois. It's
5: a good win for uh, about all the same reasons, right? I, I remember we had a conversation with one of the Illinois insiders coming into the year. And uh, uh, his Robert, co- I think Robert his, Rosenthal. his concern yeah. was... Illinois doesn't put together back to back good seasons when they have a really good football season, they make a bowl game. It doesn't happen the next year, uh, in, in history it, for a multitude of examples, um, could show that. So the, the reason it's a good win is because it got them to 5-5. Five and five. Indiana's not a good football team. They aren't in bowl contention. So there's nothing really about them losing that game mm-hmm. that would consider this a bad loss for that team because they're already in the dumps. Yeah. It would have been a bad loss for Illinois. And, and instead of a, a good win for Agreed. Illinois, yeah. So it, really, this all falls on Illinois because okay. they're five and five and they're still in bowl position and in bowl conversation too. And if Illinois wins this week, which is against Iowa, right? If, if I'm correct, yeah. they play yeah. Iowa this week. And, and Nebraska finds a way to win, guys. You're looking at the Big Ten West title contender. Yeah. In that Nebraska,
4: in Nebraska Iowa, Iowa, game. Iowa
5: game, yeah. Whoever wins that game will go to face Michigan or Ohio State. So uh, there's impact for this for this Illinois team to have uh, on the greater scale of what's to come.
7: Yeah, the last time they went, it was 90-91-92 is what I think. I'm yeah, saying. when they went yeah. three
4: straight, and they hadn't. They've only gone to two straight once since ninety two. Yep. Um, so this is not a team that deals with success very well. So it would legitimately be a pretty big deal for them to get to back to back bowl games here in years two and three under Brett Bielema. Um, and Illinois actually still in the hunt for the big 10 West as well as everybody except for <laughs> Purdue is technically. Uh, so this is, you know, they still have stuff they're playing for besides just a bowl game, same way that Nebraska does as well. Uh, last one. I think I wanted to get to here because I think correct me if I'm wrong here. Everybody here thinks the Nebraska game was a bad loss, not a good win.
5: Uh, Correct. Bad loss for Nebraska. Yes, bad loss for Nebraska because of yes. the situation they were in late in that game. Yes. Yeah, and the five turnovers and just how mm-hmm. it played yep, out. Bad like, loss.
4: Bad loss for Nebraska. Um, the one that I mentioned earlier that I think is interesting is that Purdue and Minnesota game. Purdue was two and seven coming into this game. Minnesota five and four. Uh, Minnesota theoretically with a win and a game that was winnable for them. Could have kind of taken a step forward in having a chance for that Big Ten West. Um, I thought this was a terrible loss for Minnesota. They had to come away with this win, and now they're in a position where their bowl eligibility is in question because they still have Ohio State coming up this week, and then they finish with Wisconsin, which is not a gimme. All of a sudden, this team that had a pretty decent shot at uh, at winning at winning the West, could end up not being bowl eligible. I, I thought this was a terrible loss for Minnesota.
7: Yeah, I don't think it's a good loss for them, for sure. Yeah, definitely not. Which, which it, still can, it makes me wonder, this is a different point, but it makes me wonder what would happen if Minnesota was on the schedule like week four.
5: Yeah, if they played Nebraska later in the
4: season.
7: That's, that's
5: actually the biggest critique that Nebraska has gotten over the course of the years because oh. they play a top – big Ten West opponent early in the year like to start the year versus going with maybe a smaller non-con team to kind of build up on your season yeah. well and I think that was a I think that was a big Ten edict that set
4: yeah, that one down I
7: know just when you see like these kind of games it's like ah. Uh...
4: yeah you see it on the schedule and and you're but uh, on the other hand would much rather play Wisconsin now than I would have no, earlier in the season how many... and frankly I'm I would have rather to play Maryland when we did.
7: Yeah. In oh, earlier early. In the year, yeah. And it
4: still didn't work out. So Agree.
7: How, like there's what, like four, five and five Big Ten teams five. right now? Yeah. Five. There's,
5: there's, well in the Big Ten West alone there's
4: five.
7: Five.
5: It's pretty crazy. I uh, think this is a good win for Purdue. Wild,
0: wild west. You
5: yeah. think so? Over a bad loss for Minnesota. I think even though they're not in bowl contention this year, a win like this for Ryan Walters in his first year just shows where the program is going and can go. Hudson Card had a really good performance. Devin Mockaby played really well in mm-hmm. this game. The one I want to focus on more is Card because he'll return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He'll be the quarterback there next year. And if they can kind of like build off of this yep. down the stretch of this season into next, that's why I consider this actually a bigger win for Purdue versus a bad loss for Minnesota.
4: That's all we have for today on Wednesday on Herd at Sports Radio. We will be back tomorrow. Avery, Thanks, Avery. Lucky you didn't have to have any jelly beans today.
7: Sure am.